Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 325 of Video Game Apocalypse. I am your host, Michael Raparez, coming to you from the Zepaw Fox Memorial Studio of the Airwaves. Zepaw Fox? I'm not sure. But the, the important thing is that we honor their passing by naming this, this studio after them, their passing and their Patreon mm-hmm. donations. So thank you, Zepaw Fox. Who else is joining me here? Chris, Prime Day Return Antista. And... The race stance of the core VGA Ghostbusters trio, Matthew Allen. And special guest, Micah. I am still too uh, lazy to think up a nickname for myself, Seth. At least you own it. We just got plenty of time, Micah. (laughs) We all need to have a little chat. (laughs) See, what's his nickname, and I'll just steal that one. (laughs) It's going to be a fun show this week. Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 is actually coming to Switch on Friday. And guess what? None of us have played it, because we've lost all our press access. I I watched people play it at E3, but then uh, the line was a little long. That was the story of E3 this year. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's yeah, but it's, it. the line I just assumed it's an Ultimate Alliance game. If you added more characters and have a new story, it's a 7.5, and I'll love it. <laughs> Probably. Switch exclusive, which is, uh, okay, let's see how this pans out. That's never happened before with a Marvel Ultimate Alliance game. It's pretty nuts, man. I don't know how they worked mm. this shit out. And who, and who, who developed it? <laughs> Team Ninja. Team was Ninja? it really? What the fuck? Wow. <laughs> It's pretty weird, right? Yeah, the Metroid Other M Team Ninja? The I, Dead or Alive Team Ninja? I'm surprised you guys didn't ask. If I'm Ray Stance, you got to uh, figure out which Ghostbuster you would be. Uh, well, I'm guessing I would be the Egon, I'm, and that makes Chris the, the Peter Venkman. It's, it seems no, pretty cut Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, okay. <laughs> Ernie Hudson. Uh, As everyone yeah, knows, I'll, the core trio the classic yeah. Ghostbusters. Just there I, can't be, I can't be Ernie Hudson because I showed up in the first 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but oh. he got to show up in the, like, the first scene of the sequel. Right? I, look, I, I'll be the real Ghostbusters, uh, Winston, Winston mm. Zedmore. Oh, okay. <laughs> Arsenio Hall version. But oddly enough, you're like the version of Ernie Hudson from The Crow. You're just a hard-boiled yeah. detective. He was in The Crow? He was, yes, I don't remember this at all. I don't either. I barely remember that movie. It just sort of blends together with all the worst scenes from City of Angels in my mind. I love being able to say this. I saw that movie while taking a break from watching Woodstock 94. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. Uh huh. Did you order yeah, it on chili paper peppers? View? Were on. I'm like, that's enough. Let's go see the crow. <laughs> I was goth at the time when the crow came out, so I was super stoked on that movie and saw it in theaters. Wait, wait <laughs> a I, I loved it. I loved the comic it was based on, and I was super pissed that the movie recast some of those characters and he did not kill them in the same order. <laughs> I want to know more about goth, Micah. What are we talking? We talking like Robert Smith level goth with like the big hair and uh, I was like skinny puppy shit. So like at the time, real goths might have uh, looked down on me because I was a big Marilyn Manson fan, yeah. oh, okay. and so uh, he An was MTV kind of goth. my my influence in the direction of, of goth. So it was more like shock goth. Okay, um, okay. Let me ask: How many dog so collars do you own? At this point, none, but I had lots of spiky uh, okay. paraphernalia okay. at the time. Hot topic I, regular? I say? was. Okay. I uh, I wore lipstick and nail polish uh, of only dark colors and uh, sure. painted my face white and uh, oh, freaked out all the parents <laughs> I knew at my middle school shit in here like, before quite a lot. Nice. Um, <laughs> That's right. You were just trying to spoof facial recognition software yeah, yeah, yeah. by painting your face like the juggler. <laughs> 
Um, and and I say I was goth, but I think I'm still goth at heart. Yeah. I think most yeah. people can recognize that, even though I'm wearing. You, you can't see this at home, but Micah constantly just does the hair flip between mm-hmm. between takes. <laughs> like, I'm doing it right now. Can't see that either. Yeah, but they can probably hear it in the microphone. A, yeah. Yes, clearly. Mm. But I was I wasn't goth, but I only wanted to date like three goth women throughout high school, and that mm. was it. That's relatable to me. It rarely panned out, but I, something <laughs> about a pale woman with safety pins in her ear. I, I don't know. Mm. Love it. I, I was a quote unquote goth in that I just like wore black all the time, like and and I had a black duster. Which like, looking like back Johnny on it, Cash I, with a Game Boy, uh huh. Just like oh man, the shame, the shame. <laughs> Never feel ashamed, but yeah, I will. You, you were a teenager, like <laughs> I know I should have known better. Yeah, I feel much more shame about the last ten years. Yeah, exactly, yeah. that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it's it's going to be an interesting show. Not only do we have Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which we haven't played, but we do have Dragon Quest Builders 2, which Hell we yeah. have played, and Blazing mm-hmm. Chrome, and a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. But the the fact that Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 has finally hit 3 after however many years mm-hmm. moved us to look at the best 3s, the best number 3s in gaming, according to us. This was a remarkably oh. hard list to pick. I was talking to you, Chris, and you mentioned that, like, 3 is when a lot of series kind of just... Yeah, it's a lot of series shit the bed. Like, and, yeah. and just, like, uh, we innovated a whole lot the second time, mm-hmm. and here's more of what you like that time, and you're bored. Yeah. And then the fourth one ends up reinventing itself. And that's why most games series pretend to be trilogies, because mm. they're spent on the third one. Yeah. Mm. And interest mm-hmm. is gone. Mm-hmm. But, but all of the ones that we're going to be talking about took the third game as an opportunity to reinvent themselves. Mm-hmm. That, like, this, this was the game that became, like, a watershed moment for a series that, like, up until that point had been pretty good but like this is like oh my god this this is great it sets the template for all the other things that will follow uh it is you know widely remembered as one of the best experiences ever in gaming and we will get into those five threes right after this is the world of today getting you down well then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies tv games and more 30 20 and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30 2010 here's a clip from 1999 I, I, yeah i added a clip and it's just called oh my god best scene because so much of it like you said it's about you know there's this heat wave and then the power goes out there's riots and and you know in the background is this maniac is just shooting people dead and this movie's really good um if you know unsubtle because it's likely but it's really good until we actually get to see david berkowitz uh the son of sam <laughs> killer mm-hmm. played by michael Badaluco. now if you know the story um he says that he was told to kill by uh, his neighbor's dog mm-hmm. right and there is a scene depicting this yes there is Ooh. And the dog's mouth moves like he's going to tell him to roll a beautiful bean footage. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is the moment where it's like I was with this movie and then I saw this scene and I laughed so fucking hard. So roll that beautiful bean footage. I thought I killed you, Mr. Black How did you get in here? Leave me alone. What do you want? I want you to go out and kill. Kill. Kill! Kill! <laughs> I will kill! I will kill! God, please, please oh remind me. We gotta put that on our Facebook. I like, cannot believe they made that good boy it's... say those words. 
Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. And we're back to talk about what? Uh... The third games that really hit the stride with the series, and that's a really long way to describe top best three. That's what I would have said. Yeah. So I guess we have to start with number three. Wait, (laughs) did we we make a rule to discount one? Uh, We did. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Yeah. It did make me think when you talked about the gap between Ultimate Alliance games. Mm -hmm. um, The gap between Ultimate Alliance games is my entire career in the games industry. Like Ultimate Alliance 2 came out like right before I started (laughs) And I considered I considered myself officially over last week. Hmm. <laughs> Just until last wow. week, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> That's when you sound like, I'm, I can finally admit I'm done with the games industry. <laughs> Forever. Anyway. Moving on to pottery. Yeah. <laughs> pottery apocalypse. A nice real man's too. hobby. Yes, yes. No the, no, the message boards are still terrible. I think you missed it. It's <laughs> video game of pottery clips. Maybe just video game pottery clips because we have clips of people making pottery. Anyway, let's begin with number five. Nobody's experience with this game is complete unless you've missed a bunch of notes. I was going to say, you clearly I, didn't I, capture me playing <laughs> Dragon Force in Guitar Hero 3. Yes, this is Guitar Hero 3. Uh, Chris's suggestion, actually, and... I didn't want you to use it. Oh, well... <laughs> <laughs> Should have said just, that. We, we, when we were going through it on, on 302010, like, I was pretty shocked to find out that, like... Um, that that game was one of the best selling games of the entire generation. Yeah, it is the it is the best selling Guitar Hero game. No matter how annoyed you are by it, odds are it introduced the most people to that entire niche uh, before it died. Mm-hmm. And I think it I think it was it's not really a high point for Guitar Hero, but like they, this is when they started using uh, no they started using real music in this previous game, didn't they? Real uh, Masters. Yeah, yeah. I think two is when they got the Real Masters. This one is where they. Um, so I get to do this now, finally. Full uh-huh. disclosure, I used to work for Activision on the Guitar Hero games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and oh. so I kind of started right after 3 had come out. This is the one where they started using a lot of likeness rights. This is the one with Slash on the box. Yep. yep. And apparently, like, Axl Rose tried to sue over the inclusion of Slash and Guns N' Roses things. But the, the lawsuit was dismissed because he waited, like, three years to file it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I find that Slash still time. existed. Mm-hmm. And I, I nod knowingly and don't say anything yeah. else. <laughs> it, it is weird to me that Axl Rose has a copyright claim on Slash's likeness, but uh, okay. I think it was just the band thing. Yeah, this, probably. Then, now, this was before World Tour where they started using Kurt Cobain's likeness. Yeah, that was that his, was five, I yeah, think. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. five, five, yeah. Where it was a little... Um, the weird part there was that his likeness could sing other people's songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so we had you know footage of him singing "No Doubt" songs. Yeah, on, uh, yeah. On Games I, I guess it's here Are because you guys everything. This up right no, this, no, this, this is, is legit. This is yeah, all true. Legit. Courtney Love yeah. also sued over yeah. Kurt Cobain's <laughs> license, or at least said she was going to. Uh-huh. I can't remember if she did. He, Even though she's the one who made it happen. Mm. Yes. What the fuck? You mean I had to read my contract uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and give the money back? I'm yeah. suing. But this one you talk about was one of the best sellers of the generation. Yeah. It was actually one of the best sellers of all time and yes. one of the fastest yep. sellers of all time. I think it's it's second to We Play. Uh, and in terms of revenue, it 
I think it either beat Mario or was second to Mario in terms of games to reach $1 billion of revenue. Mm. Now, it gets to cheat a little bit in the fact that the minimum price game was $100 because of the guitar pack-in. So, or mm. I guess that one, they would have been selling singles. Yeah. So this was like, you know, I think it's one of the more divisive Guitar Heroes, and it's certainly the moment at which this whole franchise kind of split into Guitar Hero, which Neversoft started to make, and Rock Band, which Harmonix uh, started to make. And Harmonix kind of, like, I feel like Rock Band was always more the, the fun social experience, whereas Guitar Hero 3 was where it's like, no, this is a test of skill. This is where it gets hard. Huh. It, it was harder. Yeah. It was. It was. The interface was not as friendly. It, it got tougher. They introduced boss battles. Uh, they introduced. Uh, I think maybe maybe the previous ones that had cutscenes, but this had a, a coherent storyline which you could play in co-op with like one player's the guitarist, the other's the bassist, mm -hmm. and it, it, like these these animated bits that tell your story. Nobody actually says words in English. Yeah. Real quick, I do want to talk about the, the split that you mentioned because mm -hmm. it was an interesting case where always read the contract before mm -hmm. you sign it, where Activision had acquired, I think, what they thought were the full rights to everything Guitar Hero, and they had they they did. They acquired the name mm -hmm. and, and the rights to, to that franchise, but Harmonix had originally been developing all of the Guitar Hero stuff. Uh mm -hmm. But there was a sub-company called Red Octane, and that's really mm -hmm. what Activision purchased. Red, Red Octane was the publisher, right? Correct. Red Octane, so they started out producing hardware for Konami's Guitar Freaks and some dance pads. Mm -hmm. So they were sort of this hardware company that mm -hmm. then also just had to figure out distribution. Thank uh, you for mentioning Guitar Freaks so we don't hear it in the comments. <laughs> we know. We yeah, so they, 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 they kind of got good at distribution and were sort of, yeah, the publishers of the early Guitar Heroes. And then... Activision saw that and said, oh, well, we should acquire that publisher and then we'll get the rights to that title. So they did. They got Red Octane. And actually, I was an I was a technically a Red Octane employee that, you know, whatever. I still mm, worked yeah. at Activision's offices in Santa Monica. Um, and But with that, they really only got the name of Guitar Hero. Then Harmonix sort of split off and started doing their own rock band thing. And so Activision had Neversoft, another internal studio that pretty much was known for the Tony Hawk games at the time mm -hmm. to start working on all of the Guitar Hero stuff. But that was the big split is... All of the Guitar with, Hero stuff. Do you, do you side with the devs and go you know, with like Rock Band and, and Harmonix and mm. what they're doing yes. there? Yes. Or do you side with just <laughs> the thing you know and love? Which most... The general public didn't really know the, yeah. anything about harmonics or anything like that. It was just, oh, they were used to playing Guitar Hero. And so, mm -hmm. and like, this is the new Guitar Hero. It's on Xbox 360 and PS3. Yeah. It introduced another important thing. Do you remember what that was? Which one? Guitar Hero 3 did? Yes. DLC? Yes. Yes. But yes. that you could download new songs. Yes. Well, so actually, my mm -hmm. role there, one of, one of my roles was to market that DLC. Um, and kind of be the guy that, that worked with bands. And so I have many interesting stories of talking to folks about their downloadable songs coming to the game, such as Brendan Small about a Metapocalypse uh, tracks coming to the game. So I do have some good memories there. Or um, a conference call where I was joined by Stan Bush himself to talk about the touch coming to Guitar Hero. So uh, that, those, were, those were some fun memories for sure. Did you touch his bush? It, God damn it, Michael! <laughs> and, and to be honest, like yes, I was, I was a rock band fan immediately over Guitar Hero, but Guitar Hero was getting like cool shit, like just weird niche shit, like Stan Bush and <clears throat> the Top Gun anthem. Yes, mm. like yeah. like stuff like that, like that's things you couldn't really build into a bundle. 
so it, it was it didn't really work for rock band and they were more like serious like no no these are great songs and mm-hmm. like no this is hilarious and you'll yeah. love playing this song it'll yeah. be in guitar but rock band got some good ones like the Stephen Colbert tribute yeah. track remember that was it did yeah. I'm right and, behind you yeah. <laughs> Cartman uh, Cartman's poker face I think you play on <laughs> oh, rock band. Jesus <laughs> well guitar here like I said introduced boss battles yeah and remember what the the end one was the final boss battle I think it's against the devil isn't mm-hmm. it? it is the devil went down in Georgia he was looking for a soul to steal. I would have thought that was so cool when I was 15. My God. Uh, <laughs> I think that's why, that's why the rest of us sort of wanted to side with Rock Band at the time, because Rock Band was just like, what do, what do you really want from this game? And the, the answer from us was, just more songs, man. Mm. And, and, and Guitar Hero had to keep, in it, like, keep up dumb innovations every year, or every six months, to sell more shit. Yeah. And it, it got, it just, the whole package got more bloated and annoying. Mm. I also felt like the rock band guitars were kind of more gentle to play. Like, the mm. Guitar Hero 3, like, the, those guitars just started getting kind of tougher. Like, it's a little bit more resilient. It's a little bit harder it's, to push I, the lever. I do remember there was, yeah, a slight difference it's more in feel. Clicky. They were clickier. Yeah. And I preferred the clicky over the more the mushy it, it rock band It had kind of chunkier buttons that were... Also clicky, but louder buttons. And I, I do want you to take a, a just a minor poll next time you walk into a Goodwill. Are there more copies of NBA 2K7 or, or Guitar Hero controllers? <laughs> Probably Guitar Hero controllers. Yeah. So I mean, somewhere yeah. I have I have a full on Logitech. It just it's just a real guitar case I stole from work. Mm. That's mm. just has buttons instead of strings. It's ridiculous. I remember I did some interesting licensing things where it's like uh, I helped with like. The guitar controllers that cost like two hundred dollars. They were the mm. pro quality, with like with like yeah. real wooden bodies, and they, I, they were. I had one of those shit. for a while for PS3. I think I sold it. Very good quality, <laughs> but yeah, it was just like I. I also um, I worked on the arcade adaptation, mm-hmm. and so every once in a while I'll walk into an arcade and I'll see that that game, oh, which nice. is awesome to see because. I just remember when we were working on it, like one of the big requirements, they were like, no, we need to use like industrial materials because this has to last like forever. And so to see those things still out in the wild and still working, I'm like, all right, we did all right. We use like real industrial shit that does not break. Hey, that's pretty cool. But yeah, it's a, this, this was like a huge, huge watershed game. And I think one of the most important games of the last generation, hands down, whatever you think of it, even if you hate it, like Charlie Daniels does, because that (laughs) song was used. Uh, I guess he lost the rights to it in like 1979, and oh, poor uh, Chuck Daniels. Yeah, but he's he's like he was he was furious because it's supposed to be a fun, lighthearted novelty song about a country boy who uh, battles the devil. The devil is never supposed to win. The devil always loses, and the fact that you can lose against the devil just completely perverts the meaning of the song in his eyes. So. I'm gonna go write more racist football <laughs> anthems. <laughs> I'm sure he yeah. would. I don't know. I'm sure he got mad at some truckers during a strike, you know, for not being true to Convoy or some shit like mm-hmm, that. Either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Convoy, the, the Japanese name for Optimus Prime. That's right. Yes. yes. Uh, anyway, let's move on. <laughs> Number four. That clip was taken from a YouTube video called The Worst Mod Ever Made. <laughs> so this game that we're going to be talking about was infamous, what? infamous for a type of monster 
called the Cliff Racer that would appear and hover just above your head and be really hard to hit. And somebody made a mod that spawns two every time you kill one. Okay. Um, so, so knowing that it's a mod, uh-huh. I'm going to go out on a limb and guess this is Morrowind, Elder Scrolls 3. You're going to guess it because mod and not because I said Cliff Racer? Yeah, yes. I don't remember the actual enemy names, but I do remember... Uh. That Morrowind ha- became playable through the use yes. of mods. For- so the, the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind, it was when I started noticing the Elder Scrolls yeah. series. Like yeah. Arena and Daggerfall had made a big splash in the PC community, which mm-hmm. I wasn't plugged into in the 90s. But when Morrowind came out, it, this is like, this is everything I've ever wanted well, I think, I think reason being, you mentioned, so those were PC titles. Mm-hmm. This was the first big console Western yes. RPG that I can remember because... Do you and, remember and why? Yet, ironically enough, I played it on PC. Oh, that's but, funny. Uh, it is funny. Uh, well, it came to Xbox. That's that's it was it was touted as the Xbox was like the only platform that could run uh, such a game because yeah. of the, the built-in hard drive and things. Mm-hmm. I will also I, say I, I remember I never ever heard of the series, and in even people who barely played games were talking about it because it seemed like. I mean, even if you look at something like Skyrim now, it was delivering on a promise of things we thought we'd be able to do in video games, and no one had actually mm-hmm. made yet. Absolutely. That, up that's to and thing. including when I finally did see it, it's like, what's up with this music? I'm like, you can put your own music in this game. I put corn. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, yeah. yeah of course. And that's what the Xbox, you used to be able to do that uh, with the original yeah, yeah, Xbox. Yeah. You used to do it with the, the 360 too, but they kind of phased out that yeah. whole feature. Oh, yeah. Driving games were excellent mm-hmm. when you could do that. But no, but, but Morrowind. But you, you know what the dumbest game let you do that was? That? The Great Escape on Xbox lets you just use your own music. You could do what it in uh, like Excite Truck on that, that the Wii. People pr- don't even know that fucking movie. Yeah. They just know the... It's more famous for its music now than it is for its movie. Yep. Yeah. So let's put your own music in there But instead. yeah, the, the Morrowind was the one of the first big titles I remember that sort of it delivered on that promise of... The shit. Well, it's its open world RPG mm-hmm. that let you do anything you wanted. And mm-hmm. it sort of did to the point where... You could break the game, oh, and yes. this was my first console experience where I've ever experienced a hard crash because that shit used to break my Xbox all the time. Mm-hmm. It was possible to kill mission-critical people, and then you'd get like a message saying, like, you've cut off your own destiny. Enjoy wandering this dead world. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, but, but like, and it also would fuck with you in wonderful ways like the thing that i always remember was like early on i think leaving the first town you see you just hear this guy screaming and all of a sudden this wizard plunges out of the sky and splats on the ground and so you can walk up and just like strip his body and one of the things you find in there is a scroll of ikarian flight and if you try to use it it will immediately just launch you (laughs) <laughs> Hundreds of feet up in the air, you will like pass through several loading zones very quickly, yeah. and then you will come down very hard. If you come down, if you're lucky enough to hit water, you'll survive. If you hit anywhere else, it will be an instant death. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like so. What what are they called? CRPGs, like the stuff that mm-hmm. like Obsidian used Kerpigs. to do. They they would have similar things in that you could break those games, and they and they would let you play around with in in many ways the defini- the. In many ways, the Divinity series has sort of taken on that mantle of, like, you can do anything to the point of breaking this game. Mm-hmm. But it's different when it's in this immersive 3D world to, told from a first-person point of view. It's just wild, the amount of shit that the Elder Scrolls games do let you do. And Morrowind, well, it maybe, you know, if you compare it with, like, Oblivion or Skyrim, yeah, it's obviously, you know, those games have progressed a lot. 
it's still super important. And I think the reason it makes our list is because it really did kick off this whole thing. And, and that really is what made this franchise like a huge franchise. Yeah, absolutely. Are, are Matt and I the only ones who've played this? Did, did anybody else get into <laughs> I don't this? Know. I, I played it, but I, I had the same experience with, I don't know, it was sometimes a lot of Bethesda games that it just, I find them to be, pro, with their openness to be a profoundly unfocused and unpolished. Hmm. Yes, that's true. And I mean, it's that jank, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that's certainly what Some people here. like that stuff. Yeah. I have never heard, whenever I say that, everyone th- calls me an asshole, mm-hmm. and everything everyone said about Fallout 76 is how I felt about every Bethesda. No, no, you, I think that's sort of the known discourse about those games, is they are severely broken. It's just you are willing to put up with it because they let you do so I much. I mean, you know, you know, like Griffin mm-hmm. McElroy's made a career out of, like, breaking Skyrim, and uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I think that's pretty common. Um, that, that was my first week at PC Gamer. Like, just we just started breaking Skyrim. Tyler's like, I figured out how to spawn bears. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play with this for two hours. It's our job. This rules. Yeah, but it got worse. And then that, that becomes a mod. It's like, oh, I modded a bow that shoots bears at people. Like that's the mm-hmm. shit that like, yeah. the Elder Scrolls games or, are known for. Or just you know, they, I think Skyrim introduced something perfect, which is like just go up on a mountaintop somewhere with like. 500 cheese wheels in your inventory <laughs> that you will have just naturally collected over the course yeah, of the game yeah. and then just dump them all at once and see what happens. Yeah. I, I sometimes refer to these games as donkey simulators for myself because I pick mm. up everything. I don't. Mm-hmm. There, there must be a psychological condition. Well, that's actually that. like, uh, so Chris, you and Brett have yelled at me in the past for like hyping up Skyrim so much because it's like, but... You can pick up everything and you just get distracted. And I'm like, but would you pick things up? Would you just pick up everything in the real world? Like, would you enter rooms like, oh, wooden silverware. I'm going to take all that shit. <laughs> yeah, but, it, it, but to to its credit, in a way, I don't fully understand. Like, if I if I log into, like, Steam right now, I, I think, like, two dozen of my friends are playing Skyrim to this day. Mm-hmm. When you do figure out how to play it and not pick up everything in the world and you know the world a little better, it's it's still really fun for people to spend time in in a way that sort of makes me jealous. Mm-hmm. That there's still there's still people are still finding things to do in Skyrim after like almost ten years. I think what's even more impressive is that people are still doing that about Morrowind. Like yeah. this the game occupies this weird niche in even with Elder Scrolls and that it's like it's not your typical medieval fantasy mm-hmm. like you got in Oblivion and Skyrim. It's this really weird thing with like the the landscape has all these giant mushrooms yeah, uh, yeah. you get around by traveling in these things where would you like to go so that mixture of Chewbacca roars and whale song is coming from a silt strider, which is a gigantic bug yep. that they just sort of hang out by the docks in, in certain towns, and then they'll just like ferry you to other places. That's how you fast travel early on. Yeah, I did an Axe of the Blood God uh, last year with Cat Bailey about this game and its importance. It was on their one, their top RPGs of all time list, and we brought up the environment and how unique it was at the time. And, and yeah, I think Vardenfell is the home of the Dark Elves, I want to say, in yes, their lore. Yes, yes. And so, yeah, it's just full of these weird, like, bug-like creatures and mushroom like and i i wonder if part of that it was like hiding the limitations of the hardware because it also had these weird mists that would just kind of fill the land and i'm like oh, oh, i'm wondering if that's hi- hiding the draw distance yeah and know? i think the the it's it's mistier on xbox oh than it was on guaranteed PC. <laughs> guaranteed but i i liked that there was you know that i think i feel like there was less hand-holding in this than there was in in later elder scrolls there games was. and that yeah. like 
And you like, I feel like bad behavior was a little more encouraged. Like you could find skooma everywhere and just like immediately get addicted. And I'm like, ha ha, I'm a drug addict. This yeah. is awesome. And, yeah. uh, but also <laughs> like you could, you could layer clothing, which I don't think you could do later. So like, I remember like I was wearing armor and then I found like a wizard's robe and I just put that on over the armor and it's like, oh man, like now I'm like a cloaked badass or something. Yeah. And yeah. I killed the guy for his hat. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel like, you, like you said, Michael, they, they sort of encouraged you to play around in this game. Um, I think this is a lot of people's first exposure to Bethesda's knack for environmental storytelling. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, that mage that just falls out of the air and has that yep. scroll on him, like that that's, that's a little mini story, you know? And so, yeah, this game would have those kind of things where you go into someone's house um, and you could, you could find, like, yeah, some scrolls or whatever and just kind of get their backstory that would explain why they do the things they do. And the NPCs in these games sort of had this unique clockwork where they would just sort of, like, roam about and have little patterns of things. Now, mm-hmm. I think I think it was 4, Elder Scrolls 4, that really opened up where it wasn't so obvious. They were just kind of going around doing, repeating the same things every so often. But for the time, this was still, like, groundbreaking stuff. It was huge, you know. Morrowind, amazing, but clearly not as amazing as uh, this next one, which everyone can enjoy. Number three. Appropriately enough. I know what you're thinking. Another bent cop. Well, it's a bent world. Just because I lost a few partners, those suckers from internal affairs have started sniffing around. Reckon they can smell me. Well, this city is one big open sewer. And it's filled with orange juice. Listen to your mom, <laughs> baby. <laughs> was that patron saint of laser time, Robert Lotion? It was. Yeah, baby. Yeah, and, and in what game? Jitta 3. Yes, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 3, where he plays Ray Machowski, a corrupt cop. Surprise. He was, believe it or not, he was the most famous person in that game. <laughs> Maybe I, I, Michael Madsen. Yeah, it, it did have Michael Madsen. Let's teach these would-be tough guys what it means to be a tough guy. Yes, ma. Uh, he's basically playing a knockoff Tony Soprano. And he's basically playing Robert Loja. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I found a new one. <laughs> Talking to you, Joe Gage. Uh, does, does Frank Vincent also sound like Robert Loja? Tony! How's your mama? She's a great woman, you know. Strong. Firenze. She's good. Fine. Terrific, terrific. Now listen, you guys, you go inside while I talk to our new friend here. Now, for whatever reason, that made me think Pretty for bats. the longest time that Firenze meant like fierce or strong or something like that. When it's it Florence. Means Florence. Florence. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> Why does he say Florence? <laughs> I don't think Rockstar was expecting you to know that. Have, I don't think Rockstar was expecting you to have played Assassin's Creed 2 yet. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, that was a much later development. I, you, yeah, to be fair, fair because enough. you speak Spanish and I speak Spanish, you're, you're, we're thinking like Fuerza or something yeah, like that, yeah, so it's yeah. close enough sounding. But yeah, GTA 3, if you want to talk about Morrowind being like this big moment for open world gaming, GTA 3 was it. Like, Grand Theft Auto 3, when I've, I, re, I still remember when I first read that this was happening in a magazine. Like, I was a huge fan of the first couple GTA Me games. Me too. Because it's like, oh man, I can just go nuts and kill everybody and uh, act out my most violent impulses. But it's in this little 2D top-down world. Yeah. It's not really anything. And then it's like, you can do that in 3D. And I'm like, oh yes, please bring this on. This is perfect. This is everything I've ever wanted. And I was I was borrowing a PC to play like this multiplayer mod with my friends of GTA One, 
Mm-hmm. And so when I saw that it was coming to a console that I could actually play it on, I was so excited. And I remember mm-hmm. I felt totally alone. I think it was just because I was aging into an area where games were becoming a little uncool. So not everybody. So it seemed to me like I was the only one who cared about GTA mm-hmm. at this time. I'm, I'm asking people, on, is Grand Theft Auto out yet? What's Grand Theft Auto? Like, fuck. Uh, fuck, this is so weird. <laughs> but now it's like the one game everyone's heard of. If you, yes. if you haven't heard of video games, they're like, oh, what's going on with that latest Grand Theft Auto game? It's yeah, like every I saw time a commercial I'm E3, for that during the Amazing World of Gumball. I'm, oh my nice. god! <laughs> no, like every no, time I'm at E3, yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, oh, why are you in town? Oh, you know, E3, the big video game convention. Oh, you mean like the Grand Theft Autos? And I'm like, yeah, like Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, but they never count. The last like version the Guitar of the Hero threes with Slash ago. on the cover. You know, <laughs> actually, oh, shoot. <laughs> I feel attacked. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, I was attacked. Guitar Hero three. More people have know about that game. Yeah. I think than GTA That's true. at this point. Uh, yeah, well, most more people have played it for sure. But I think even like GTA. I, I imagine, like, to a certain subset of people remains this strange, forbidden thing, like, you know, walking into an adult bookstore when you're underage or something like that. But um, but it also got rid of the fart button from the earlier games. How can you call that true freedom? Um, <laughs> now you can fuck prostitutes. That's true. Or that That's true. the fourth game. Hmm. No, you could still do it. Yeah, no, you could. You could. Yeah. yeah it, it was just, yeah, pick them up and the car will rock up and down. And if hmm. you pan the camera around, you can just see the characters sitting calmly in the front seat while the car bounces. But never the twain shall meet. No, never. You don't want a never. fart button with prostitutes. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and you have not seen the things I've seen on the internet this year. <laughs> oh, maybe you do then. No, I don't, but they did pop up hmm. in my recommendations. But, but yeah, like, I think Grand Theft Auto 3 was this amazing moment where games created this virtual world that you could explore, you could go nuts in it, you could get a job as a taxi driver or an ambulance driver, which I'm sure many people did, <laughs> and didn't just run through the streets with a newsie or a baseball bat, yeah. seeing how far they, how long they could last before uh, cops finally showed up en masse and took them down. I love that you said get a job, like... To get that job, all you need to do is steal that car. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's, it's more the analog your, stick. It's less getting a job and more taking a job pretending, by force. It's more pretending yes. to have that job. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you still get the fares, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, yeah but that was like their little crazy taxi minigame. Yeah. It was, it was like this this cool lucid dream that you could just lose yourself in for it, a well, long actually, time. It, the, the only time that was cool to do is the third game because like mm-hmm. money was kind of scarce. You didn't need it for much, but you could make... A lot of money quickly by driving an ambulance or a cab. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say by hitting people on the head, which also I feel like GTA Another way 3, to make money? <laughs> maybe it's just me getting older, but I feel like the more GTA progresses and the more it gets a story, the less inclined I am to just rampage in the streets and yeah. kill someone. <laughs> the more they, they define your background, that you have a kid at home and maybe it's not uh-huh. okay to club everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the more realistically they react, it's like, oh, I feel bad about this. And I'm not just hitting <laughs> stick figures. I still do it, but it's usually as a result of, like, if I fucked up a mission and, and get a wanted level. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, all right, I'm already at three stars. I might as well take this the whole rest of the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, still, I still adopt a regular social contract. I don't do that on purpose, but like, I, I'm mad at myself when it accidentally happens. And sometimes yeah. you get frustrated. I, I just kind of shrug my shoulders after a while because, like, what? I'm, I'm a really bad driver in these games. I yeah. tend to drive on the sidewalks yeah. a lot. Yeah. In, in, in defense, those games, like I was just thinking about, we were talking about Vice City last week, but just that, like, you really could. 
four was the four was the first one to like take your wanted level really seriously, but you could like hmm. really <laughs> scoot up your wanted level and get away with it in the in part three. Oh yeah. Well I remember just once you learned the cheats too for how to spawn, oh, yeah. like spawn the tank, and then you could get your wanted level up and down mm-hmm. if you wanted to. So that I was always it was, it was the hidden stars. Like you didn't have to like yeah. drive in to get your car painted. You could just like drive over a star and lose part of your wanted level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was also just straight up cheats where you could just enter the code and it would drop your wanted level or raise it. And so I would just or, always or drop a tank into the world. Yeah, I would always spawn the tank and mm-hmm. then get my wanted level up to five and just play like, okay, I'm just going to practice shooting helicopters out of the sky for a while nice, and see and nice. see how long I could last. Yeah, and and you know, even even though there wasn't like officially flight in the game, there were places like you could go to an airstrip and find yeah. like this plane that had no wings, but it would fly anyway. And you yeah. could also have that cheat to have the cars fly, which was terrible. I, I feel like three had a lot of things that people would like you said michael kind of find oh you can kind of sort of fly this thing and then mm-hmm. they would add those things to later games like oh people wanted to try to fly in three okay let's add let's add yeah. this mechanic to four you know and- uh another great thing that three introduced was the radio stations mm. which so I, I was gonna say that i have uh i have no fondness for gta i'll just throw that Aww. out there and uh it's gonna make me quiet. it's gonna make me sound a little sanctimonious but all this talking about uh killing civilians and getting a thrill from it that's mm-hmm. That just never clicked for me. There was no, there was no that fun. Never happened. That. It doesn't happen in the game. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was never fun for me. So uh, I'd sit around and I'd watch my friends and they'd kill a bunch of people and they'd all giggle and have a great time. Mm. But what I did love was Laszlo. Oh yeah. And <laughs> yeah. So we, when we'd go on car rides, we just put on Laszlo yeah. and we just listened to that for hours. Chatterbox um, FM. Yeah, ninety-nine percent of my GTA time has been spent listening to talk radio. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's incredible. And that actually always blew me away about that game. I didn't have much fondness for the gameplay, but the fact that there were hours of recorded talk radio in that game. Oh yeah. Was, mm-hmm. Incredible. By the way, yeah. the other one percent is spent playing classical opera and recreating uh, the commercial yes. from GTA Three <laughs> of the car flying through the air playing mm-hmm. classical mm-hmm. opera music. Well, or, or the fucking Scarface soundtrack. Push it to the limit. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Walk across the razors. I got. But, I got but talking I got talking it. about Laszlo, like so when I first moved to San Francisco years and years ago, like I left for a week to go visit my parents, and I lent Diana my PS Two. And she didn't play anything, but she did load up Grand Theft Auto 3 and just sit there in the car <laughs> with the engine idling so that she could listen to the radio. And I, I brought along one of my favorite clips that is also one of her favorite clips, and it's a little bit long, but I'm going to play it for you. So uh, what's this rally about, Jeff? It's about people standing up and being counted. It's about the future. It's about telling those morons in the suits, no thanks, not in my town, not while I have a breath in my body and hope in my soul. I will not, I cannot let this pass. Let what pass? It's about grabbing the town by the balls and saying, listen, son, time to put up or shut up. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more easy solutions to difficult problems. It's about what it means to be an American. It's about giving something back. Giving what back, Jeff? Hope, (laughs) dreams, belief. Belief in what? I mean, look, Jeff, I I admire your passion. Really, I do. But what will people be marching for? What's your rally about? It's about justice, Mr. Lowe. A chance to shine and make it to low. <laughs> About thousands of people walking side by side as brother marches. Only one thing on their minds. The chance to make a difference. I understand that. It sounds like a great rally, but we're not a political station, and you haven't really told us why people should do this. What is it about? Look, look, do you want to help or not? I don't know what I'm helping. <laughs> You're helping America. What kind of patriot are you? There's a rally. You don't know what it's for, do you? It's for hope. <laughs> 
It's so good. Oh my god! I think someone used that exact clip this week to defend the president's racist tweets. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. And and so Laszlo. That's the thing is is most of us were exposed to him through talk radio. I mm-hmm. think we found. Well, I didn't really understand until just before RDR two came out. Featuring Micah, mm-hmm. um, that he how involved he is with the making of these. Yes, that he's, he's actually like involved. a core member of the writing team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that he has a, yep. a New York radio show, and I, I love the cast of GTA is just like these semi professionals New Yorkers using using this accent that's almost extinct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it, well, I, I just, we, it was such. A, do you remember we previewed the game, and like I was like, oh, sh- we were previewing four, yeah. and like I recognized one of the comedians on it, and like you recognized him. Oh, Lasso's gonna love that, and like. Oh yeah, Lasso's awesome. He's like, do you want to meet him? Like, no. And then, do you remember that we were in a room and all of a sudden, like, two yeah. guys ran out and made Laszlo talk to us and like, Fuck. yeah, that was amazing. Just Laszlo coming in is like, hey guys, I'm like, oh my god, I love that. It's about Hope Clip. Made fun of my Mr. shoes Lowe, and wallet. It's so good to meet you, Mister yeah. Lowe. But that that was so bizarre. Like after playing GTA Three and then like. Hearing, like, Laszlo used to have, like, a syndicated radio thing that was, like, Tech Minute with Laszlo or something mm. like that. And it's like, this is Laszlo. Like, holy shit! What's he doing in real life? I can't hear the name Laszlo and not think of real genius, so... <laughs> that's just me. Uncle Rico! <laughs> Hollyfeld. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, all kudos to him for continually just casting himself as this... In increasingly loathsome character. Oh, in like, five. His in, appearance in, in five, five is he's amazing. the worst. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> I think he, what is he? He's trying to like date to, uh, the daughter, right? Yeah, he's trying to date Michael's daughter. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, yeah, Trevor and Michael aren't having it. I believe underage daughter too. Yeah, I think she might be underage. Yeah, yeah. but really, like, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if Mike's kids are underage or if they're just twenty-something uh, fail kids. <laughs> yeah, still live with their parents. She's older than uh, Pete, <laughs> little Pete. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. P-Dog. And, and he seems to be in his 20s because he's out there, like, buying Hummers that he can't afford. All right. Fair yeah. Enough. Getting them repossessed immediately that same day. <sighs> Old, he's eternal. Mm-hmm. GTA 3. But yeah, GTA, GTA 3, like, like uh, it, I think it belongs probably close to the top of this list because it redefined what the series was forever. Yes. Forever. Absolutely. Like, there was always def- a glimpse it redefined, of what... what, what it, it changed video games. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it absolutely sure. did. Yeah. And as someone who's not especially a fan of GTA, like, I still recommended it for this list because, yeah. it, like, the step from two to three, you may as well not have even known that there was a two, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, people obviously... Didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, this is almost the definitive example of, of this kind of, like, the, the third game completely reinventing the franchise. This Before um, this game, sandbox wasn't really a genre in games. You yeah. Know? Like, like we, it's so funny we talk about this and then Morrowind. Those are two examples of like the sandbox genre mm-hmm. really came about in that generation, that PS2, Xbox era. Yeah, these two big watershed games. Yeah. It's so weird that, that it created a ton of Me Too's and rip-offs and oh, now yeah. it's like the last one left making what it does. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. It's Rockstar. Is the other Rockstar game I suggested not get on here? That's the one I really wanted. Mm. Max Payne 3. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's the one you really wanted? Well, really? Yeah, I think Max Payne... I think Max Payne... I, I think you could go and play GTA 3 now. Mm-hmm. There's just so many better GTAs. But yes. Max Payne 3 like is a, a technical marvel, but also like mm. video games boiled to its essence. It's like you just want to shoot targets. 
and Max Payne gives you a ton of targets. Mm-hmm. And instead of load times, yeah. that's where you enjoy story. It never feels forced. It's like over... Like, it just keeps loading targets at you. It's so much fun. I remember the, the press stuff for that was so weird in retrospect where they were talking about, like, uh, Max communicates with his world through bullets. Like, this is this yeah. is how he interacts <laughs> with the world around him. And if him. you want to know what he feels, look on the wall. He's probably projecting it. Uh-huh. Projecting it with lead. Um, but no, I, I think these next two entries are unassailable. And if not, uh, well, at least I like them. Number two. What game is this? I know you Scott all know. Scott Pilgrim yeah. the movie. <laughs> uh, uh, I was only going to recommend this for the list, but then I got carried away. This is this uh, is the first number three that doesn't have a number three in its title officially. But I think it's yeah. like it's like the unequivocal third entry. There's not any dispute yes. of like yeah. a prequel or like a a point five. Like it is just the third game. No, this was also like the beginning of Zelda games that didn't have a number in them just to just a subtitle just to make sure we're, we're covered so um god damn it this we're talking link to the past yes the yes. legend of zelda yeah, yeah. link to the past but link's awakening didn't technically no, it come was, out before it this was, right? no that was yeah. after it was yeah. four it's just always so weird to think that like because you know graphically mm-hmm. the the game boy was so far behind us and yeah, so yeah. It's, yeah and yet it managed to kind of approximate yeah the... like like link's awakening still looks more like link to the past than it does zelda one mm-hmm. absolutely but I think until Breath of the Wild, this was easily the best Zelda game and most instantly accessible and probably still just the easiest to slip into and play. Beginning with that, that great sequence where you have to run in the middle of the night in a storm and rescue Zelda from the castle. Kill a bunch of dark nuts who may or may not be active palace guards. I'm not sure. Oh, they are. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that that's one of my favorite video game openings of all time. It's mm-hmm. probably one of the best. Uh, yeah. And especially for its time, it was insane. You know, mm-hmm. I was only, what, nine when Link to the Past came out. But Zelda was my favorite franchise. You know, I was hooked on the first one and uh, Adventures of Link. And uh, this game, like, just changed my changed my world. It, it blew my mind, and uh, even just hearing that little clip there, I'm like mm-hmm. getting a, like maybe I should play Link to the Past tonight <laughs> when I get home. Yeah, I was I was sort of the opposite. Like the Zelda games at the time kind of baffled me, and I slowly was able to understand them because like I don't know, it was just the, the first thing I, I had played that wasn't go right because I just I started with NES. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And if you yeah. went right, you were kind of penalized in, in, uh, in Zelda 1. Uh, I mean, I just recently went back and beat Zelda 1, Zelda 2. And so it's hard for me to say that Zelda 3 is the only Zelda game the way that when you look at GTA 3, you can mm-hmm. sort of say that about that game. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't matter. Like the legacy of Zelda 3 lasts till today and will continue yeah. forever. Well, well certainly right. Link to the I, Past I think is I think the... it's the most playable retro Zelda. Mm. If, if you play, well, if you start it up yeah. right now, it's like, oh, this is like several indies I played on Steam, and maybe the cutscenes are a little more, a little longer. But like, no, nah, it, it fucking, it's fucking awesome, and you should totally play. It. Like, this is the one game we talked about so far. If you haven't played it, you should. You'll totally do yeah, it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say there's a reason this has become the de facto blueprint for any 
2D top-down Zelda since you know, like like they're all they're all just kind of aping Link to the Past. You know, mm-hmm. like even the mo- the recently released rhythm game Cadence of Hyrule. That's basically like Link to, to the Past, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. with a rhythm game on top. But yeah, that this this became because if you think about like Zelda one was more about experimenting and not really knowing anything. And yeah, it might have had the same camera perspective, but very different in terms of the story. Like, very little was laid out before you. Uh, Zelda 2 is obviously its own weird thing that they've never even tried again. Uh, and then this this is the one, though, that was the blueprint. It's like most... There were several 2D Zelda games after this that were basically just doing the same thing over and over. Not saying that that was bad, what they were doing. You know, they're telling different stories, but... Yeah, this was copied even even to the recent what was that the 3ds game uh, link link to the past yeah or, link, or, between or, or, worlds. link between worlds so Sorry, yeah. um interesting you bring that up i think number one uh, link to the past might be the zelda game with the most direct sequels because link's awakening i think was a direct sequel to it mm-hmm. and then uh and link between worlds yeah link between well, worlds yeah. and even even though like link between worlds was like okay this is a different link but it's a descendant of that link Apparent yeah. something like that, but uh, interestingly, I, I didn't think about it until I looked at that calendar behind you guys, which the audience can't see, but it has a, a Zelda page. And uh, one of the characters in Link Between Worlds, Ravio, is this this <laughs> weird merchant who shows up and just sets up shop in your house. Yeah. And it just occurred to me he's wearing like a big rabbit mask hood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that might be a reference to um, when you go into the dark world in Link to the Past. What do you turn into? You turn into a rabbit. And you're helpless and you're running around and you have to find a way to break this curse. I completely forgot about that. I think even Majora's Mask sort of is a spin on that with... Uh, you at the beginning of the game, you're a Deku seed, right? Or, mm-hmm. And so there, there's a yeah, lot of Deku scrub. That, yeah, the little little guys. So there's a lot of like Zelda games that have kind of taken those concepts, or even even the the Wii game. You're you you play like Wolf Zelda at first, and you can't you can't <laughs> get out of that for like three hours before you're finally like Link. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the, the template's there in the first game, but it's it's a, it's a Zelda trope I was sort of tired of doing, which is like let's figure out a way to get people to go to the same place twice. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Link with Link yeah. with the past like made that all like in a way you couldn't like I I don't know how hard that was to design going to the future and the past like that and having shit all make sense like that was just mind blowing in a way I hate making me do it as a wolf I'm I'm trying to think if there were games before this game that even had that trope or if this was the first of you're replaying through the same levels just in a different time period and so they're completely different. Hmm. Like with yeah. the Dark World, like because we know, like you know, Chrono Trigger would, would yeah, eventually yeah, go yeah, on yeah, to do yeah. that. And but I think this might be the first I can remember. That's a good that question. Happened. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, th- I think for me, this was like when I was like fourteen in junior high. Like this mm. was part of like a holy trifecta of games for me that I I could just like get my hands on these and replay them endlessly. Mm. Like it was mm-hmm. Link to the Past, Contra Three, which is another great three. And Super Castlevania Four. Yeah. So speaking of replay, this, I, you know, Michael and I are, are the same age. So yeah, I was in junior high. I remember renting this game multiple times because my mom never mm-hmm. bought it for me, yeah, and we probably same. spent more renting this game than mm-hmm. if we, she would have just bought it outright because it was one of those games where I just wanted to keep picking it up and, and replaying it. I, I'm the biggest Nintendo fan of all time who never owned a Super Nintendo. I oh just, wow! Because I my parents wouldn't would only get me one console and they asked me and I stupidly said Genesis and I yeah. had a Genesis and uh so I would borrow my babysitter's Super Nintendo and she would lend me 
Link to the Past. Nice. And I would start that game and I'd play the first five hours and then she'd take it back and then I'd get it back and my save would be erased mm. and I'd have to start the game over. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah. never cared ever nope. that I had to do that. So good. Uh, <laughs> until eventually I, I beat it on one of those times. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did that feel like the end of an era? Like, oh man, I... Not even to just be addicted to roguelites for the rest of my life because that's what that experience sounds yeah, like. Pretty much, yeah. one of those only game franchises that really does that to me. Like, oh man, I think I'm nearing the end. I'm gonna fuck around forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do all the side stuff now. Yeah. Breath Whatever. of the Wild was so awesome for that because yeah, yeah, like yeah. you could just prolong that experience for as long as you wanted to. I keep it's saying, like I, keep saying I wish I could me. erase my brain and play it again. For yeah, a, yeah, a, a, yeah. I wish I could replay the whole game now that I have that motorcycle. <laughs> because I have the motorcycle and I have nothing to do with it. It's it's hard it's hard to stress just how take important it sweet jumps. this game was to the Zelda series. I feel like in recent years though it's sort of gotten this like hack reputation like oh it's not all that great. I know this in Ocarina have definitely like hmm. people are like oh well they're not as great as you remember them and well, they've, they've since done better games. Ocarina I kind of feel that way about because that was very much a product of its time and the hardware that that's pulling a GTA it. 3. Even mm. though it's like essentially just linked to the past, yeah, in a lot of ways. There, I mean, there's a really good version of Ocarina on 3DS that mm. makes it a lot yeah. more playable, yeah. makes yeah. it yeah. look a lot nicer. But it needs to come to Switch. That's yep, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that you need to. The Wii U was so, and the 3DS were so great because you had access to almost every Zelda game on those platforms, mm-hmm. and uh, and Switch is lacking in that regard. Yeah, because I. We'll go back and replay a Zelda game just, you know, on a whim. You don't like yeah. those SP versions in your NES folder or whatever? I have not dug into that. I, I don't know that. Oh, I, oh, that's what I, I, oh, I replayed yeah. and, uh, and I beat Zelda 1 and I beat Zelda 2 for the first time. I had yeah. never beaten it um, because you need save states to beat that game. Or at least I do. I'm not have you tried the SP to... stuff where they, they like start you later in the yeah, game? Yeah, I, the... I beat Metroid with that recently because yeah, I just yeah. wanted to get skipped to the end of Metroid. Yeah. Um, but most of them are, are bunk because they, they jump you to the end, they start you with a bunch of stuff, but you yeah. don't have any of the skills that you needed to acquire over the course of that the... game. So yeah. like... You start at the end of, of Kid Icarus, and it's like, yeah, sure, I, I can fly now, but I, Kid Icarus is way too hard anyway. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what to do with this. Yeah. Um, well, it's also like using the Justin Bailey code in Metroid, because uh, it just kind of starts you somewhere in the late middle, and like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do now? <laughs> yeah, they're definitely for people who have played the regular version of the game. Mm-hmm. They're more like tricks that like speedrunners have been doing for years yeah. like it's just they're the, more stunting through the game the mm. the one the sp that's nice is, is ninja gaiden because it starts you right at the end and mm. you can actually try to challenge yourself to beat that last boss which is really really hard and fun yep. and satisfying it's a demon it. is it a demon yes yeah. Yeah. yeah it's time to move on to <laughs> This game had such great 50s monster music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what it is. Yep. Super Metroid. Super Metroid. Yeah. The best number three ever, according to us. Well, Ripley is sort of a 50s monster, if you think about it, right? Ridley? Ridley. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah. they, they kind of all are. You got, you <laughs> got your Fantoon, which you just heard, and uh, that horrible thing that shows up underwater and uh, Z-Beast. That is a creepy, creepy place, especially that derelict spacecraft with the weird, like, 1950s gonk droids that just sort of haphazardly 
roam around. Um, yeah, Super Metroid, uh, hailed by many as the best game ever made. Uh, I don't know if I'm quite in that camp, but it's damn close. Like, this is the game that set the template for what would become known as Metroidvanias, and it might still be the best exemplar of that genre. I would also uh, like to stress that they should just be called Metroid-likes or Metroid-y games. But Metroidvania is more fun to say. I know, but uh, I have friends who who will take me to task for not uh, laying this out there. You don't like Castle Roids? <laughs> Castle Roids, I will, I will accept that one. <laughs> Castle it, it is Hammer funny Roid. that we, it, like, it gets to be called Metroidvania when like Castlevania didn't discover that type of gameplay for like a decade. Yeah, yeah. until yeah. the PlayStation yeah. generation. <laughs> yeah. It kind of brought it back. That was the closest we had to Super Metroid until the uh, the people at Chair said like, oh hey, we want to make Shadow Complex. But and it's aliens. Be just like Super Metroid. Aliens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... We can go on and on about Super Metroid, I think, because mm-hmm. I think uh, we probably all love it. I know I love it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, Metroid was always one of my favorite NES games, and so mm-hmm. you, it was like the Super NES was just this bounty, right? Like, yeah. Uh, when when I was thinking about this list, I was like, is it just going to be a bunch of Super NES games? It almost yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. See, like, I, I, I was I like, what get... what Super Nintendo first party games were even bad like a, fra- a returning franchise thing like they were all well some of them games. were the fourth entry in this <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, Mario World you know it's the fourth one so. yeah and Super Mario Brothers 3 almost made the cut here because like oh man that's totally set the stage for I that said we should cut. discount it all together <laughs> yeah, you did you did and it but it also got millions of people to go see a terrible movie that <laughs> had it in it but wasn't even about it it got me it's, to go well, see that yeah. movie the I reason, was so hyped. The reason I said, said maybe it shouldn't make a list is it's not like this series was hitting its stride like Mario 1 and 2 were were each very good in their own right mm-hmm. and so yeah it's not yeah. you know but 3 3 talk is about similar, that. But... I want to I want to watch The Wizard with you guys and talk about it some more cuz when we when we watched it it seemed very clear to me that this movie was about something else before someone said put Nintendo in it yes absolutely yes. I've got an yeah. idea I've got an idea there's this thing we can do It'll be a Patreon exclusive. We'll call oh. it Monday Night Movie. <laughs> <laughs> and I we, can't where stream. we get this. We'll comment over movies. Ooh, I can't stream yet. And then, and then it's just those technical complications, such as the person you just told a story about threatening you. Never mind. I just wanted to yeah. say it somewhere where oh. she's not listening. Right. Um, uh, back to Metroid. So, yes. Mike, it's many. It's funny you mentioned like you love the original. So. I played the original Metroid on NES. I just I didn't get it. Like I, you know, for me, it just it, it's very I hard to like get it that through. much. It's yeah. very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and think... so and so, I really didn't fall in love with Metroid until Super Metroid, which mm-hmm. I think maybe made it more digestible or something. Like, it, well, it definitely did in that it had different environments that would be cues to where yeah. you were, mm-hmm. and and then you had a map. Well, so, you know, I was a little kid when Metroid came out, yeah. and so I was willing to, like, sit and draw a map oh, yeah. out on some paper mm-hmm. while I played that game. You know, same with with uh, the original Zelda, which is why some people are like, oh, that game's so hard, I get so lost, and it's like, no, I have that, that like, burned into my brain. I know the you kind know? of paper you're talking uh, about, too. It's mm-hmm. probably the 80s graph paper. Exactly, oh, yeah. You would, like, draw oh, Dungeons yeah. and yeah. Dragons yes, That was excellent for, for mm-hmm. drawing yeah. levels of yeah, video yeah, games, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and so, for me, like, Metroid just meant spending time learning where the hell you were, mm-hmm. figuring things out, mm-hmm. navigating. And uh, But the sense of progression was something that you only got in, in Zelda. That was, mm-hmm. like, the only other game yeah. that gave you well, that sense of progression. Well, since you bring that up, I think both Super Metroid and Link to the Past hit on the same successful formula, which is, like, they take a very open-ended game from the previous generation 
and they pull back on the freedom a little bit mm -hmm. and give it just enough story and structure to yeah. make it work really, really well. So, and like both of these games, especially Super Metroid, have minimal text and story. There's there's like one line that kind of sets the stage really effectively right at the start. The last Metroid is in captivity. The galaxy is at peace. But oh no, it ain't, because you can yeah. see from that title screen, there's a bunch of dead scientists lying around a baby Metroid. What's going I really on? I thought you just got audio for your GameStop clerk. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know, I did The last one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the last Metroid has been sold. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the other games on this list have been really influential, mm -hmm. and they had an immediate impact, I'd say, yeah. on, on mm -hmm. the industry in some ways. Uh, Metroid... I don't or Super Metroid. I don't really feel like it did. Um, you know, there was the like influence the way Castlevania went mm -hmm. at a certain point. But Metroidvanias were pretty much limited to Castlevania and Metroid, and then eventually Shadow Complex in mm -hmm. 2010. I just, I just or realized something about you, Micah. You poor man. You love all the Nintendo franchises. Nintendo hates. Yes, like absolutely. you love all the like you love F Zero. <laughs> yep, you love yep, Metroid. Yep, yep. Like the stuff yep. Nintendo refuses to pay attention well, to. You're I think, there. I think you can say this wasn't as hugely influential as some of the other ones. But if you play many indie now? games nowadays, well, that's what I was going to. There are up. so oh, many. So, so why do you think it is that it's now? You think it's that a lot of kids who grew up playing Super Metroid are old enough to make games now? I think that's part I, of I it. I think. I think. I think the real deal was. And this is it took me so long to play Super Metroid and Symphony Symphony Night because when you just look at it and you don't read the words in the fucking fifty word paragraph preview, it just looks like a side scroller. You don't get it. But yeah. like mm -hmm. instantly we Metroidvania is something even someone who's never played a Metroid or Castlevania understands. Like backtracking, yeah. you'll gain newer abilities, go back to where you were. Don't worry too much. I love being in like a big open world and like don't worry so much about that part. It's, it's on your map. You'll come back later. Mm -hmm. I love yeah. that shit. You can always see the little little teasing thing just out of yeah. sight. So I, I have a more practical reason why I think so many indies take this model. And it's that for the reasons you you just talked about, Chris, like these games, they're actually in terms of size, they're not that big. You yeah. don't need to churn out a ton of content because mm -hmm. you can sort of lock content away behind things like finding a power-up or beating a certain boss or whatever. And so, like, if you think of the map of, like, Shadow Complex or the maps of, like, Super Metroid, they're not, in the grand scheme of things, like, huge where they need tons and tons of assets. Like, you can, they can be fairly limited in size, but still get a lot of, you know, many hours of gameplay out of them because of the way that Metroidvanias sort of gate content for you. And it still feels immensely rewarding and satisfying because of what Chris was talking about. Like, you see a thing and go... Okay, I know I'm going to need something to get into that. I can't figure out this riddle yet. I'm going to get some. I'm going mm -hmm. to get some key piece of information or some power at a later time that that you know. Then I'll be able to access mm -hmm. that. And so I think it's just a very, very smart way of efficiently doing game design. And, and I'm no game designer, so they, you know, if any of them are listening, they're like, "You are completely wrong, Matt." It wouldn't mm -hmm. shock me, but that's just kind well, of my layman's guess. A, a lot like. Back in the day when you didn't see a lot of Metroidvania titles mm -hmm. and people would question, why don't we see more of these? A, a lot of people's answer would always be, oh, it's just really hard to design them. Mm -hmm. um, but now you see them all the time. So I, I don't feel like that necessarily was the case. And so then I wonder just why didn't we see more of them? And what, what flipped that switch uh, in people? Because now it's just like, 
you you slap Metroidvania in the marketing description for your game so that you can yeah. sell mm-hmm. more copies to people. We're lousy. With I, I feel like that should be a yeah. trademark. Like that's half a trademark term at uh, least. Uh, it's pretty weird because uh, Nintendo uses it in their promotions on the Switch news channel. Mm-hmm. Um, they yeah. say like Metroidvanias, and then they'll have a list of. But all they can nice. do that. No, I th- yeah. I don't think you are allowed to. I think if you're marketing a game like that, you have to call it like a puzzle platformer. I see mm. it in the descriptions on the yeah. Switch eShop. Well, well, a lot of the time. What was it? Somebody was making fun of the like don't call them metroidvanias anymore and it's like yes i prefer the full name metro android castle transylvania (laughs) (laughs) um but this game i I bring her back around to the storytelling again because this is like one of the best silent movies ever made Mm -hmm. it tells so much of its story with music and just things in the environment and i think there are two really standout moments there's when you first go back through the area where you defeated the mother brain in the very first game and everything's dead and gray and silent and uh along the way like a couple of cameras just spring to life and and spot you and then you go you get a couple missile upgrades and on on your way back everything's still quiet and dead and you take an elevator up and go back the way you came and holy shit all of a sudden the place is swarming with space pirates it's, it's just sprung back to life. It's like a trap that just closed around you. And that's at the very beginning. The other moment is, uh, spoilers, near the end when uh, you beat Mother Brain again. Oh, wait. You weren't going to say the part where the animals teach you how to jump high? Because that, uh, that's my favorite story moment in the whole oh, game. All right. Because I was like, oh. I love these. Do they have the musical number. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't know how to do the the high jump without. Well, I highly no, encourage true. you if you want to see my favorite part, check out the let's play I posted to YouTube. Mm. But I created the womanless cut of Super Metroid. All right. Oh. So fuck oh, that. Okay. Just how, all... how long is that? It's just it's it just the title it doesn't screen actually and exist. Yeah, I don't actually two shots of a spaceship. Game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, just, but. I want to bring it back around to really awesome 50s monster music because holy shit, this still gives me chills. That shrill pipe organ sound. There's something really unsettling about it's, it. It's and then, Godzilla soundtrack meets Star Trek. The original yeah. series, all yeah. rolled into one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's a really good comparison, actually. And then the baby Metroid flies in and uh, helps you out in your moment of need. And oh, it's so great! Like, I, like I said, when I when I got that uh, Super NES Classic, I loaded it up and I fucked around with a couple games. And it was like midnight. Turned on Super Metroid, just played till four, until I got stuck. A game I finished like six times and went to bed like i just i haven't no. like a, a game a, in 2018 a game I, a game that old that i can just like completely get sucked into mm-hmm. there's a part that i always get stuck on which is remembering that there's a run button in that game oh. um, <laughs> good god that always gets me for a while mm. all right well and and i, I want to take a brief second to talk about a few other threes that didn't make the list uh we debated whether metal gear solid should count I think we decided in the end that it shouldn't because... Yeah, because of a technicality. Yeah, well, the technicality was that there was another Metal Gear game that yeah. came out called but, Snake's Revenge that is not considered canon, but is yeah. an, it is a Metal Gear game that got a commercial-wide release. Well, I'd say in not considered US. canon by Kojima, yeah. but probably by Konami. So. Yeah. And, and I would just... 
if not for Metroid, cut out anything that calls itself a prequel. Get fucked. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Metroid's not a prequel, though. It's uh, well, a the, 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 the story is told out of order. Like the Super Metroid isn't the third entry in the timeline. So here's one, Michael. You you briefly mentioned, but mm-hmm. Contra Three, yes, is mm-hmm. is one that we seriously so, still considered the perfect side scroller to the point mm-hmm. where. Uh, there's a game that came out this week that is a very clear homage to oh, it. Nice, uh, we, which we'll talk about next. We I, talked about. I, I posited uh, Marvel vs. Capcom three. Mm-hmm. 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 You did say a, that's a, like the a only series MVC that is that... like a, a several games, maybe even more than four games strong. Considering how I don't know, depending on how you want to consider it, but like that game still played in tournaments, and mm-hmm. the other ones mm-hmm. are not. Well, two. Mm-hmm. Two. But, that's mm-hmm. the thing is, is I I think I have more memories of two. Two's the yeah. more iconic. Yeah, one, it's still say, taking but, you for a ride. Yeah. No, but like exactly. the, the competitive that's scene a, three yeah. is still alive in, in in choosing. It's the one that chose a visual style that makes it look great today. Mm, hmm. Mm. Uh, here's one on here that we just we feel like we talk about this series a lot. But um, Saints Row the Third. Saints Row the Third is <laughs> this is the first time I remember people talking about Saints Row as good. Hmm. Because the other games were, were Me Too's. They were also Rans with mm-hmm. Grand Theft Auto. But Saints Row the Third is really where they're like, you know what? What we're really good at is goofy shit. And mm-hmm. we're just going to know what I am. go completely over the yeah. top and yeah. let you play as a toilet with a gun. Speaking of toilets, Duke Nukem 3D. Mm-hmm. Let you break toilets. And if you go back and play that now, like any version of it, it holds up so much better than Duke Nukem Forever would lead you to believe. Like that... Wow. 3D is still a masterpiece. I can't play that, though, because when he says, shake it, baby, I think he's talking to me with my man boobs. He is. <laughs> he is. He's saying you should pull up your polo shirt and give him a shake. I am wearing a polo shirt. Be comfortable in your skin. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be ashamed of your body, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, <what's, laughs> Castlevania 3 is a game you, you yeah. threw out there, Mike. Oh, yeah. It's mm. almost like you like this Metroid mm-hmm. Uh, Although, right. well, well that, Castlevania 3 is not, no, but yeah, yeah. it's not a Metroidvania. What, it, yeah. what it's really like is that I really love the NES, and so there's so many <laughs> game franchises that either started on the NES and continued onto the Super NES and had mm. great oh, entries love, there, I, or they had great third entries on the NES. I, I love the handful of Castlevanias I can finish. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, I still can't beat Castlevania 1. Um, no, but, I, that one's not difficult actually <laughs> it, it, it is it, but you were young to. yeah i i finished it like a couple weeks ago i mean i used save states but ah. i still memorized a bunch of shit. <laughs> uh chris you threw on in here uh panzer dragoon saga mm. oh yeah that that one should have won and you guys are all assholes for not talking about <laughs> i think with that one it's just so different than the rest of the panzer dragoon yeah. games like they it, they went from being a shooter to being this no RPG. but it has mm-hmm. everything that you have in the other panzer dragoon games except the on rails yeah. portions like you still ride hmm. a dragon and shoot shit yeah. It just achieves a level of like being an RPG that like I think most even JRPGs now don't attain. Mm-hmm. Like it, that game's great. It it is amazing, and it hurts that it's impossible to play it, and that it will remain a lost game for generations of players because it is so it? rare. It's. I mean, we are getting the remake coming out later this year of oh, that's Panzer actually, Dragoon. So oh. like the franchise yeah. is not yeah. dead. Yeah. And I'm there, you know, this has always been but, this like beloved, uh, underappreciated gem. 
and I could see like those mm. kind of things do well. So go right buy now. that remake. Yeah. Just although yeah, I think apparently uh, the, the the original code is yeah. lost. That's that's why people. But then again, it's been emulated. So just fucking go. Yeah, find it's that. been emulated, and like and on, what honestly, would they do like with the original code. If they were keep our fingers it. crossed that they might just remake it. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and then, so, my entry on here that didn't make the cut, and I'm extremely disappointed because this is, so far, my game of this generation, The Witcher 3. Mm. Witcher oh, 3 is so good. And not to say Witcher 1 and 2 were bad, like, they're both excellent games, but I think 3 is where, probably where most people got introduced to that series, to the mm. point where probably a lot of people went back and played Witcher 2, because 3 is just so good. But mm. I, I have not spent as much time playing any single game this generation than Witcher 3 because not only was it an excellent core game, but the DLC is probably two of the best pieces of DLC I've mm. ever played with Hearts of Stone and the uh, the one the Blood One or whatever. The Wine. Blood, blood, wine. Yeah, blood and Wine. Yeah. Thank you. I have not spent no, as Kingdom much time. 3, the best third game in a 45 <laughs> game series. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, I have uh, restarted The Witcher 3 more times than any other game this mm. generation because... Uh, started playing it on ps4 and then it's like oh but you just tricked out your pc uh why don't you play it on that and like okay i'll start over it's like oh but the xbox one x came out and it's got hdr and nice lighting and it looks mm. better even than the pc version like okay i'll play that and i would say like oh just mainline the campaign but no you really do need that hundred hours because the side mm-hmm. shit in those games is some of the best stuff yes so yeah, yeah. Oh, and, we, and i i <clears throat> i said michael should negate mario 3 and not because I hate Mario 3. I just, I, I find myself a little baffled when I hear it talking about, it's the best Mario game ever. I'm like, two and four are better. Yeah. And, and it's just like, it was just like, it didn't suck. And like most third, most of the time when you got the third game, it was kind of underwhelming mm-hmm. at that point in on the NES. Uh, it's just like, I, I, I remember loving it and thinking like, oh, Nintendo can make all of these good forever. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, I think regardless of whether it's still your favorite or not, I think it, it definitely set the template for what every Mario game to come would be, that mm-hmm. it's these self-contained levels that all have like some sort of unique thing about them. It gives you the costumes and, mm-hmm. and different abilities. Uh, it has that top-down world structure where you're yep. moving around on a map. Yeah, I did yeah. not mean to shit on it because nothing makes me miss Mario 3 more than the levels in Mario Maker. Ah, yeah. Mm. Like, you remember say, when you were supposed to a level was more than like forty feet long and it yeah. just had two hard things to accomplish in it? <laughs> I'd say three, you know, kind of having lived through it at the time, it was when it came out, it was the best Mario game. Like I love two, don't get me wrong, but it was the best. But the problem is like when World came out, World did everything three did and just sort of perfected it and improved upon it. Just every you know, and so it's like I think three can sometimes get overshadowed because of that fact, but like if you lived through those releases, like three was so good and so important and like michael said it was the template they all were based on it's just unfortunate that it had to be followed up by like probably the perfect mario game with world like so it's mm. like yeah it, it almost takes away but if from you wanted to call mario game. world three which you can because japan calls it four but mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but mario 2 all doesn't count in either territory yeah i could understand that argument mm-hmm it's the snake's revenge of the Mario yeah. franchise. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah. yeah. It that's... really shouldn't be. Like, 2 is so fucking good, dude. Uh-huh. I spent so much time playing 2. It lets you play as other characters other yeah, than Mario exactly. and Luigi. Like, yep. come on. But obviously, there are a lot of fantastic number threes out there. But we do uh, need to move on. Okay. So we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 
Tekken 3, that was what I wanted. In the past, in the present, the future. Faith and hope and charity. In the heart, in the brain, in the body, you'll give you three. It's a magic number. It takes three legs to make a tripod or to make a table stand. And it takes three wheels to make a vehicle called the tricycle. And every triangle has three colors. Every triangle has three sides. No one knows. Get scratching. Would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the Laser Time crew? Then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time. It supports not only this show, but all the rest of the Laser Time Network. You'll get commentaries, play games with the hosts, see exclusive videos first, and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time. Speaking of which, here's a quick taste. I love that we've gone if if you're a fan of Spider-Man on film, your heart has gone through all these different arcs. And I do feel oh, like man. we've arrived finally at like this feels really good. <laughs> yeah. When when are we giving the uh, spoiler warning? When when are we allowed to dive into spoilers? Hey, go ahead. I, I say right right now. Spoiler. Um, right yeah. Now. This Far is from the home spoiler spoilers. cast. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so speaking of other Spider-Man movies, how about that stinger at the end there? So that's that... we're jumping right to the end, huh? <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. And we're back, so let us not waste any more time and uh, delve into that segment where we will not be able to talk about Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 because we haven't played it, but there are other things to talk about in... Dragon Quest Builders 2. How about it? I like it a lot. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> I like the original Dragon Quest Builders a yeah, lot. I felt yeah. like... So, this one is a little bit more hand-holdy, it feels like. And it's also adds farming, which mm. is interesting. Oh, it's great. I don't, yeah. It's I don't know, great. I don't know that it's... Yeah, you're right. I guess it is more hand-holdy. I just more interpret it as... It has more of a structured RPG experience. Mm-hmm. Like whereas yeah, the it, other, the first game was was very open mm-hmm. in yes, that Minecraft extremely. of oh build this thing. Whereas this one is more specific. Like this is what you should be doing and mm-hmm. building at this time. And I, I actually do appreciate that structure a bit mm-hmm. more. You you can you can absolutely dick around yeah. and waste time and just build shit. If Go you in want. this direction and find this person yeah, and help them do yeah. this. Uh, but but with the farming bits, as someone who recently started playing Stardew Valley again, this time on my Switch. I'm loving it because it is like scratching the Stardew Valley oh, edge for me, as well awesome. as like the Dragon, you know, Dragon Quest kind of JRPG edge. So it and the feels Minecraft really stuff. good yeah. to get your townspeople well, out there, like yeah. farming for you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and planting crops for you. So and, uh, yeah, this oh, it's this nominally a sequel to the first game, mm-hmm. uh, but it also takes place in a world that is post Dragon Quest two, post those events, and uh, so the. The world, like, the humans seem to have been subjugated by the children of Hargon, who are, like, followers of the the secondary big boss who was defeated in that. And your your sidekick through the game is uh, Malroth, who is... It, it, it This isn't a spoiler to say, because it makes it very clear at the beginning. Malroth was, like, the dark god of destruction that was summoned at the very end of Dragon Quest II. Yeah. And here he shows up as an amnesiac human who's just, like... 
he's like the Vegeta. He's he's a tough guy who who has a soft spot and kind of generally wants to help people once he gets he's past pretty, the urge to murder them. He's more than a tough guy. Time, like he, he's yeah, yeah, he's more just like sociopath. Yeah, like he he's, he's a, a homicidal type but, guy. But he also he follows you around at all times. Yeah, he's yeah. your best friend. He yeah. loves you. He's yeah. like he's like a dog that just barks at too many people. Really I good know at anything about the shit that. Out of anything yes. you even swing at, you know, start to swing at. Uh-huh. He's like, okay, you want me to beat that up? Okay, yeah. And and I I like I discovered that like oh it's not just fighting that he will do whatever you're doing yep. so mm-hmm. if you're like trying to harvest wood from trees he'll also just start running around and harvesting yep. wood from trees and at that point you could just kind of sit back and let him run around until you do something new yeah I really it's it's an interesting choice to kind of give you this de facto co-op partner and I wonder why they did that mm-hmm. because it's it's really neat it's yeah. this, like cool mechanic to the, and, to the point where like I think it stresses community to the point where like watching the trailer for it I assumed it was going to be a co-op game like mm-hmm. how am I going to have to play this online with people nope or you, you, you might think that you that play... Though, right? I think you can. I, I, I believe it does have on, online. Or, or it might um, even make you think that you would play like as different characters throughout the story. Because when you watch mm-hmm. the trailer, it, it has some kind of main characters. Yeah. But, but I think the real reason he's there, it's... I would say the, the, most, the major shortcoming this game has. And I think it's still fine because I'm not really here for it. But the combat. We have to talk a little bit about... Oh, before we get dive into it, full disclosure, I got a code for this game. Hmm. For I did not. I so. bought it. Um, but the combat is there. <laughs> it's it's very one note or one button, I should say. Like, yeah, well, you, you just bash on monsters, and when it looks like they're winding up to attack, you run away. There's no like, There's easy not even dodge. a dodge. Yeah. Like, you can't really jump to get out of the way of most of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I think the, the co-op partner you have there, he's there to kind of draw aggro at times. Or if you just let him beat on monsters for a while they'll turn their attention to him and then you can get some free shots in on their yeah. back but it's it's but, very exploitable like you know this is a minecraft clone so there's levels yeah. of like voxels so if they're like one or two boxes above you you can just hit them without them connecting with you and yeah if you if you haven't played uh dragon quest and you're not sure what to expect like you said it's it's very minecrafty mm-hmm. that the world feels like minecraft where you're just you can lift up uh, different blocks that represent different things. Yeah. Uh, you will get different tools that uh, are essential. Like uh, you can get a, a glove that lets you pick up blocks or uh, a hammer that lets you just smash things or a water jug that just pours out endless water and Infinite lets you create water. waterfalls. You just flood the entire world. With yeah, this. yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. Um, Although if you're near water, I kept accidentally scooping up the water I just poured in there. I was yeah, like, oh. yeah. But but it's I also... I flooded my whole town by accident. Oh, yeah, I, I did that too. I couldn't yep. figure out how it was working. And then I figured out, like, just, to, you just... Like, and then you could put it back in the yeah, jug. It's yeah. so great. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, that's, that's handy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... Uh, it, it, it's kind of more story focused in that you are building up settlements in different islands that have been like the the earth is corrupted, nothing will grow there, the monsters rule, and they just they want to destroy everything. Although if you there are monsters that you can talk to and like even they seem kind of uncertain. It's like well you know they say we're supposed to destroy everything, but like is that really a good idea? Because now we're running low on food. That's one thing I like is that there is a, I feel like a bit more story in this one than the last one, mm-hmm. but it's like. I don't know where this is going. Like, I, at, at any point, I'm waiting for these enemies to turn on me and realize, like, oh, you're you're someone I should be fighting at this point, but they haven't so far. Like, mm-hmm. I keep coming across these monster NPCs who help me, and yeah. so I'm like, well, wait a minute. There's, like, there's the main one on that that first island, Furrowfield, who's mm-hmm. the he's the local pastor of the yeah. children of yeah. Hargon. Pastor Al. Pastor Al. Al. Yeah, that's a nice pun Grown. name. <laughs> his, his full name is Alakazam, but. Uh, 
Yeah, passed around. <laughs> That's nice. great. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so I so I do like though that there's a story to this one and and yep. it does feel like more of a traditional RPG if you play it that way. Like mm-hmm. it'll very much be like hey go here accomplish this quest thing and then come back and and then it becomes the more builder mm-hmm. sim thing. Yeah, but yeah. uh yeah, the, to me that the first game I think the problem it had was you would spend hours in that first world and then when the story progressed it wiped out all of that progress yeah. and said, well, we're going to put you here. Now. Here's what I remember. You spent, you, you thought that that world was going to be all the entire yeah, game. So you spent a bunch of time <laughs> building up this settlement, yes. which I did the same thing. Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't, it doesn't wipe out your progress. Like it's still there. It's just that now you are expected to start from zero in a new world. Yes. It, it, we, and progress this, doesn't really this matter. This does something similar where it's like you have this central hub island mm-hmm. and then you go out to these other islands that will show up on your map. And um, I've, I think all of us here have only done the first island. Mm-hmm. So we're not sure yeah, if there's... I haven't quite beaten the first one. I'm, I'm still yeah. like mid first one. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm doing everything I can on the side. I'm finding... Uh, I don't remember if the first one had the little puzzle things in the environment that, that you, you would get the medals. Mm, have you done any of the course? Yeah, I've, I've done a few yeah. of those. Yeah, yeah. 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 Where it's the you, mini medals. Yeah, you just basically come across an environmental puzzle that will mm-hmm. usually be like, try to get the water to flow from point A to point B, and you have to figure out where to either place or yeah. remove and you can you can trade those mini medals in at your base for cosmetic items yeah. Um, yeah. that you can wear in selfies, because you can take selfies now. Hell yeah. Uh, <laughs> and post them to an online leaderboard. The only thing I wear is the bath towel, because that's mm-hmm. all I need to wear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Um, so, and, and certain things I noticed about this one, like, I felt like in the first game, uh, like, monsters would come at your base from different directions. Mm-hmm. It's like, once you figure out which direction they're coming from, it's easy to fight. But this time around, like, in that on that first island, Furrow Field, like, they always come from the same direction. Every yeah. time you get a warning, monsters are attacking. Just build a wall and they just get I, I went another way. I oh. dug a really deep pit <laughs> in the direction that they come, and so they always fall into it. And I, you know, built in some stairs going the other way so I could get out. But I believe that's called a moat, Michael. If you're using a pit to capture if, things, if you're like... if you're filling it with water, yes. <laughs> but and, and I tried that, but I could never fill it up completely with water. Yeah. I also tried to like you find you go into a bog and you find these uh, brambles that hurt you when you yeah. touch them, and yeah. I thought like. Oh, I can pick these up and put them down elsewhere. This will make a really good defense. Mm-hmm. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't hurt the it monsters. It looks like you can make artillery weapons later in the game. Mm-hmm. If oh, you really? go into the, the Builderpedia or whatever and look at the oh, recipes, shit. there's like yeah. an icon that looks like a cannon. Yeah, uh, yeah. because these games have had this... It's not quite tower defense. It's just... Mm-hmm. It's certain... Well, yeah, there are no certain towers, points really. at night, like usually some monsters will invade, but then mm-hmm. certain points in the story, you'll do enough to progress the story, and then it's like, oh, we're going to fight a wave of enemies, usually capped by some pretty easy boss. Yeah. You know, so. um, but yeah, the, the benefit of digging those pits is that there are enemies that will like to bash their way through the walls and try to do as much damage to your settlement as they can. If they are under your settlement, they will just kind of try to smash their way toward it, <laughs> but they will just dig tunnels under your settlement because there's no gravity. Yeah. Like there's, there's no risk of a collapse if yeah. they're far down enough. But um, yeah. And, and I also befriended a, a, a worm who speaks oh, with yeah. what I assume is supposed to be a Northern English accent written out in I dialect. Yeah. So it's, but it's like weird. Northern English like hick accent yeah. stuff and I just don't I, read it. Ooh, I just, are this beast I have rat to confess I, I don't read and I, well writing. yeah I, I am fast forwarding I, I, I mean this, this writing, writing is like whoever localized it clearly localized it for the UK and I think that's a Dragon Quest thing that they're they're mm-hmm. all localized for 
British English because that probably enhances the medieval flavor. Mm-hmm. But you you get a lot of English slang thrown in for good measure, and so it can make it a little bit difficult. Yeah, to I'm a little bummed. Sometimes. After eleven, we didn't get vo because eleven had certain speaking characters, mm-hmm. and that was kind of cool. And they all had the British accents. Yeah, and yeah. So. Well, I think if this is anything like the first game, they are probably trying to keep the file size as small as possible. It's super yeah. small. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's like one point seven five on on Switch. Oh, I got it on PS4. It's like two and a half gigs. So that's one thing. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing on PS4, and I really like it. I think it performs really well. Um, is you know, but I was wondering. On Switch, how does it perform? Like- so it performs pretty great on Switch. Yeah. It runs runs well. Mm. It looks good, but the text size okay. is so ask. small. Yeah, if, if you are for like the tooltips, if and you're all using the, the handheld screen, it's so, it's difficult. So it's actually, small in the on game, PS4, on, on the <laughs> on PS4, it's just as small on the yeah. TV. It's oh, to it's the point small. Where I saw it and I went, oh shit, that's gonna be awful. yeah. There, there have been times that I've had to lean close, even playing yeah. it docked. Yeah. Well, there is. Um, I actually went back and played the Switch demo that I would talked about last week to to mm-hmm. play. Uh, and just to see what that looked like, and yeah, so the text was that tiny as well. I just, I'm yeah, bad eyesight, so I always hold screens like really close yeah. to my face, and <laughs> it's just kind of the way I can see it. But uh, yeah, I was just uh, the the that text was a little small, and it turned me off playing it handheld. But I mean, uh, at my place, we we have like a constant rotation of switches going through all the docks in the apartment because we're just always hanging out playing Switch all the time, and so I end up on handheld quite a lot, mm. and it, it still runs great on there. The one thing about it is that it heats your Switch up like crazy. Oh, really? Oh, shit. It gets so hot, that fan never stops when you're playing, so you oh, really want to take breaks with it if you're playing oh, handheld, my. for oh, sure. Good to know. Um, yeah, but as someone who didn't play the first game... Mm-hmm. And wasn't actually interested in this game until recently. Uh, and just because you were telling me that it was great and my other friend was really trying to get me to play it. Uh, and so I picked it up on a whim and I hated it at first. Oh no. The first hour or so, I just couldn't stand because it's not what the game is. Like if anyone else is here, Downloads that demo and checks that out yeah. and thinks that's representative of the game. Go find just, me some Scallywinkles. It just mm-hmm. isn't. I mean, you start on the stupid ship and you're just doing yeah. nonsense on there, mm-hmm. and there's all these awkward pauses, and you have you're forced to like stand there while like nothing happens, and I, I, it was put together pretty poorly. And a, a first time experience like that is like, ooh, pretty rough. Um, and additionally, the demo is constructed in a really weird way, where you get off that ship, you get to the island, and you're like, finally, I can start to do something in this yeah. game. And then it tells you, yeah, you can keep playing, but any of your <laughs> save won't be transferred over to the game from here on out. And it's like, but then why put it in the dang demo? Yeah. Uh, and so I played until the end of the demo and then had to replay that stuff again oh, no. when, I, when I got the game. But that was fine. You know, you can jam through it in five minutes once you've done it already. Yeah. And then I finally, I got to Furrow Field, and then I realized why the game is good. It's, it's super It really is. It wasn't until I got there yeah. that I could understand why I'd want to play it. And for me, it might be because of the farming. The farming is awesome. I like the farming. I love it. Like I said, um, it totally is Stardew Valley farming. Mm-hmm. Like it's, but, but like Stardew Valley... If you had these NPCs helping you, yeah, where, exactly. Uh, and now I don't really do this, where it's like, oh, put seeds in the crates, and we'll oh, just plant your it. seeds for you. I I always do that, but the in terms of the harvesting and the cooking stuff, 
I love that. The second you can yeah. offload cooking, I'm like, oh, thank God. And it is kind of neat that like every morning, just everybody gets gets up, rushes, oh, and, and they all eat communally. I built and... a giant table for everyone to sit yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, I love the you kitchen. To... They're just all pouring food. I love out that you have kitchen. to build shitters, and then you can actually <laughs> yes, and then you scoop out. You, that you can harvest crap. their night soil. <laughs> night soil. <laughs> I mean, it might be early but, morning but, yeah, that, for some. But, this is yeah. weird. It's like, oh, the, these these cute little Dragon Quest characters who have to shit constantly and who will line up for <laughs> the bathrooms. Up, and they complain and about, about it. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they come out like, oh, it's such a relief. Just, uh, you all use the same filthy pot with a towel next to right. it. Right. All you need is a pot and a towel. And you have to specifically keep the room small. Yeah, they say. Because uh, otherwise... I made it too big at too, first. Me too. Me <laughs> too. And it's yeah. like, it doesn't turn into anything. I'm like, wait, do I just need to make this like a stall size like well, you can make a small toilet and then mm-hmm. but he's like make sure this one's tiny the tiny and toilet. so you need that tiny toilet mm-hmm. yeah, now man. i tried making a second toilet because everyone was lining up and i'm uh-huh. thinking with my city skylines brain i'm like if everyone's lining up there i gotta have another one to yeah. divert some traffic mm-hmm. yeah. they just ignore this really one. i did it next to up. the first one and they use both okay yeah i made I mean, two others different places in the cell maybe i'm growing more fibrous vegetables in my villagers which yeah, is maybe. possible uh, well, I wanted to talk also about a game that uh, Chris has had an opportunity to play, uh, Blazing Chrome. Oh, just <laughs> basically Contra Three, the homage. Yeah, yeah. Have it's you played more? And it's free on Game Pass. Well, yeah. Oh, shit, included really? with Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. It's on Game Pass. I had bought it for Switch before I knew that, but um, <laughs> but yeah, like this is uh, the experience of playing it. Like actually, that first level. Uh, when when you go in there, like it has a little level preview, and I'm like, that looks exactly like that uh, industrial stage from Contra Three, where you're climbing on the girders and the the bugs cut, swoop down and try to pick you up, and you have a flamethrower. And sure enough, it is exactly that. Oh, it's it's like to the point where you're climbing along these rails and bugs swoop down, and you have like a a flamethrower that's it's like purple energy instead of fire, but like. And and this was apparently a very conscious homage to Contra Three. No, no, it's one of the it's one of the better throwbacks I played in a long time. But but uh, uh, shit, I think all like that's what that's what's weird. I wanted to get um, all the Castlevania and Contra collections, and they're all on sale on Xbox to uh, like really good prices. But like, I really wanted them on Switch, and like, I have never been so torn in my whole life. What do I do? Time do spinner. I buy them on the non-portable system? No, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. No, you'll never. Right? Play no, them there. no. Like you'll it, never like, play them there. Yeah. Buy them on the technologically and like superior system. Like why? <laughs> I'll, I, I will venture well, a guess. They will eventually be Game Pass titles. Yeah. So don't buy them. So here's <laughs> here's my thinking. Uh, I got them on PS4 so that I could get trophies when I finish those games, and I could feel that warm sense of accomplishment that it's just like ah there's a marker of me having finished it and, and, and blazing chrome is like such, uh, my hard drive was totally full but still could download blazing chrome and its trophies are very copious and generous is anyone else shocked that that name wasn't taken up during the snes generation <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of blazing bit, yeah. Chrome, it's so obvious <laughs> but blazing chrome blazing chrome is um I, I didn't play too much of it but like it's like contra 3 but like really generous and pretty pretty Modern and easy to get through. Okay, yeah, I had yeah. You got to wonder that when it's like when they're remaking those old. No, games like just copious that. checkpoints, which like mm. you know, if yeah, you played that, it on the SNES nice. Mini, like uh, you'll be fine. But it's a tough game. But like this is this is very. You can you can play through it in one sitting for nothing. Just get a Game Pass for fuck's sake. Do I, so who who published and developed this thing? This isn't a Konami game. Then this is just no. okay, no. just a straight up tribute, like some indie devs. 
I think so. I'm not actually sure now that you say that. Hmm. You always ask these questions that I don't look up ahead of time. <laughs> He's <laughs> testing all of us. Um, <laughs> it is well. It's the arc- a game from the arcade crew, a logo I've seen somewhere before, but developed by uh, Joy Masher. Joy Masher. Joy yeah. Masher. It's, it's, it it's like I, I played a ton of what I would consider like shitty throwbacks. If you can't make a throwback to Super Nintendo without screen tear. Um, maybe you don't belong in this business, but it's, but this is great. This is great. Like, like it's like, I don't know. I don't know. You've heard me complain about that. Like when I play Shovel Knight and like, this is one of my favorite games of all time, but it like, it's not an authentic NES throwback. It has so many things that are too advanced to be on the Mm -hmm. NES. Mm -hmm. This is very authentic to what would have been on Super Nintendo while still in widescreen. I remember when that came out and there was an article about like, yeah, that dealing with the weird fallout from people who expected to get this, to get Shovel Knight as an NES cartridge that they could play on their Nintendos. Like, no, this, this has the look of it, but we do things that would not be possible at all Mm -hmm. on that hardware. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that was their design goal with that Mm -hmm. game. It's like to imagine what if the NES was the only hardware that ever existed? Mm -hmm. What would the advancements of that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, much like 1980X we talked about last week, is it's like yeah. the games in there, they're more meant to evoke the feelings you had of playing those games, but like they have to look better and do more now because if, if really all they did was what those games did, you probably wouldn't be very happy with that game. You'd, you'd probably be bored. Shovel Knight is one of my favorite games ever. Yeah. So I'm not shitting on it, but like when I played Blazing Chrome, like compared, I don't know, what was that? Double Dragon 4 came to mind? Like mm. this... This is terrible. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. This is terrible. And it's using the same sprites, whereas Blazing Chrome is like, dude, it's crazy authentic. It's it's really good. It's awesome. Nice. And for, for you guys who both love Contra 3, uh-huh. kind of over the other Contra versions. You know? Yeah. No, I, I, I don't. But that's the thing. I don't give the same respect Michael does. Be, mm. But I should, mm. because I know it's the better game. It, it is the high point of Contra. That's why we discussed it for the threes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because I'll play uh, Super C and C. Over and over again mm-hmm. while ignoring Contra 3, but it's the much better game. Yeah. Yeah. See the Contra Adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See. Is that the Hello. Game Boy version? <laughs> yes. Op- no, that was Operation yes. C. <laughs> wow. Oh, okay. Um, mm. Do we want to talk about Mario Maker 2? We can mention that Mario Maker is great yeah. and addictive okay. Okay. and oh. it ruins your life. <laughs> is there a story there? Do we, yeah. No, it's just okay. that, you know, we have a lot going on at work and yet for some reason Nintendo decided to release Mario Maker mm-hmm. into the wild at the same time and mm. I decided that it would be a good time to pick up making Mario Maker yeah. levels. So how many Marios have you made? I've only made three and I probably put 50 hours into, you know, around 40 hours into making those three and I've got half of one sitting around that I was like oh, wow. trying to finish, and then mm. it's like ah, uh, that's why I picked that up Dragon Quest—the level that just says "Get back to work" spelled out in coins. <laughs> that's <laughs> how I feel really. when I boot that game up. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and so I, I have a, uh, I have friends who force me to continuously play Mario Maker because <laughs> these are good they, friends. They. Yeah. They want me to get better at Mario to the level where I can play their levels because right now I I really can't these Kaizo That's levels like That's I cannot I cannot do it, it yeah. I'll do it over and over and over again and they'll be like no you jumped two pixels late and I'll say I, I don't know what that even means why that not is, you try? that is a thousand percent <laughs> not my idea of fun <laughs> That's actually my only complaint about the game which 
I, I picked up while strolling through a Walmart because like they had it for fifteen dollars off and still do. Oh shoot! Game deal. Wow. Um, but uh, like, is it the, the I was like, oh shit! Uh, Nintendo developed levels, a hundred of them. I'll totally take that. But they're really a lot more like the user created levels and like hard as shit. Mm-hmm. Like very early on, some of them are like semi impossible. And t- like, there's like a trick I haven't learned in a Mario game to pass one of these levels. God damn. Yeah. I, so there's all the Kaizo tricks that no normal Mario player would ever What's know. What's a Kaizo trick? I'm so, sorry. So Kaizo are the like super difficult style of Mario levels that were uh, originated through ROM hacks uh, oh, okay. of Mario 3 and Mario World mm-hmm. primarily. I thought I was and, up to uh, speed on all my hentai terminology. Uh, yeah, well, uh, It came from Kaizo Mario and that also originated the term Kaizo Trap, which is... Yeah. It's, it's when you think you've defeated a boss, but then it does something at the last second that can kill you. Yeah, and so that's uh, a Kaizo Mario. In, in, Sorry, in Mario, like a Kaizo reference. block is a hidden block that is placed such that when you make your jump perfectly, you hit that block and it. F- screws you over and you miss the jump not to be um, confused with the kaizo sose which is when bowser is disguised <laughs> as something else the entire game Bowser, right? yes. yeah. <laughs> but the kaizo games or the you know that that variant of mario comes with all these maneuvers that you have mm. to to learn to pull off so mm-hmm. shell jumps and uh p jumps and uh, all this nonsense that that nintendo would never put in their yeah. games yeah. yeah but that the hardcore mario maker crowd loves because they can push themselves to a point where no Nintendo game would ever I was going to ask, does this still have the, the rule where in order to upload a level, you have to be able to beat that level yourself? Oh, yeah. yeah so, Big okay. time. So okay. I, part of why there's so much Mario Maker going on in my apartment is like people coming over. We work on Mario levels together and then we sit and struggle for five hours trying to beat this terrible level because you don't just have to beat it. You have to beat it without any checkpoints. And then you have to beat it from each of the checkpoints. And so, like, so in those really difficult levels, that is quite a feat. It's it's impressive that people even get them uploaded. Because I heard um, some that, it, like, there's a lot of levels that just, they rely on the timer a lot. Where it's like, you can, if you do everything perfectly, you'll have, like, one to two seconds left on the timer, which... Yeah, there's that some of those. They, they do the, like, 20-second speed runs. Those are, those are quite popular in the, yeah. like, at the top of the directory. Wow. They've but, made they've made Mario a no, platformer. I, I, I'm I have not played a single user created level. I'm playing Nintendo created levels, and they're like that too. Yeah, it's but wait till you wait, just try <laughs> hop on the cor- uh, course world, go into endless, and set it to expert, and just you will rethink your definition of hard Mario levels at mm. that point. And that's just expert, super expert is you know ones that have like a less than a one percent clear rate. So so how is the filter like if you if you set it below expert the is it pretty good at like, I, giving I, you the right No, I'd, I'd say it's pretty bad, and it's been either that or I'm just getting worse at Mario, and it's making me feel mm. like I'm getting a lot worse at Mario. I was playing the, the Nintendo levels for a while, and I beat that story mode, and then once I beat that, I didn't really feel the need to finish the rest of those, and I thought, okay, I'll move on to the user-created stuff. And now I'll go play normal in the endless mode, and just, I, you know, you get five lives, and I'll beat two courses on those five lives and feel like like an idiot and then i'll watch streamers who are at 300 beaten you know and i'm like okay i i don't know i i must be too old for mario that's 
Oh, well. Uh, well, I think that's about it for new releases, other than to say, uh, hey, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, The Black Order, which refers to Thanos' gang, I think, yep. is coming out on Friday, and so we will talk about that next week. Uh, in the meantime, let's move on to... And as is the recent tradition that Christmas last week that uh, Michael and I discussed that just so happens to, to happen because we have news about it, we start with our very, very popular... I don't think this was discussed. VGA Hollywood Segments. The upcoming Mortal Kombat movie will be R-rated and contain fatalities. Get it better. But why would you assume it has? Because the previous Mortal Kombat movies were both PG-13. So, yes. Yeah. yeah, writer Greg Russo confirmed on Twitter that the movie, which is coming out in 2021, will be R-rated and will have fatalities, which, that sounds awesome. Uh, that mm-hmm. sounds like they're going to be more true to the source material than we are used to. It's uh, a, yeah. I'd say that's a big deal. I, it's probably the Deadpool influence, actually. Mm-hmm. That's, what I, that's what I thought. The only way to defeat Disney... With like uh, th- their own audience is like doing something Disney won't yeah. do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll see this over Lion King, Aladdin, Dumbo. How many other remakes yeah. do they have this year? <laughs> Infinite remakes. Yeah, so, uh, so they'll have live action Toy Story before we know it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Mortal Kombat games have had really good stories lately. I think Eleven people are regarding. I was like, this is one of oh, the yeah. best video that, game stories. That Mortal Kombat through. Four story. Ooh. <laughs> I said Never! lately, Mortal Kombat 4 is like decades ago at this point. I know, but that's probably one of the best video game story modes now, now I'm thinking about uh, dream casting for a live-action Toy Story. Tell me Jared Kushner would not make the perfect Woody. <laughs> <laughs> he kind of would. But what does he sound like? <laughs> you are a toy. Can dub him over. Doesn't matter. I, I, I was actually... I, I didn't even send you this text. I deleted it. I was going to suggest Toy Story for best third game, hmm. but I di- I couldn't really? figure out what what the third two the Toy Story series kind of has great games. Yeah, like all of them. No, Toy Story three it, was actually a really fun game. Toy Story one's a great game. Toy Story Racing is a great racing game. Toy Story two is not a bad platformer, mm-hmm. uh, and Toy Story three is really great. Especially once you get into toy box mode, which I think. Uh, Influenced Inspired Disney, Disney Infinity. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, in more Hollywood news, uh, Amazon Hollywood. has decided to try to get a little bit of a return from the $250 million they spent securing the rights to Lord of the Rings. Hmm. And they are publishing a free MMO, hmm. Lord of the Rings MMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is what's what oddly platforms? enough, though, uh, I think it's PC. Okay. Oddly enough, it does not coincide with the events of the TV show they're developing for Amazon. Mm, so it's, it's all like, about rights. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be at that point they couldn't get the rights to do that in mm. video game form. Or- you know, the, if you want to develop original material, there are a lot of untapped fantasy things. It's not just J.R.R. Tolkien and uh, George R.R. R. Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you guys don't have to fucking... There, there's like ours, nuts though. over yeah. the Wheel of Time series. There, there must be other authors that have two well, R's but, in their names. But if you've already... Lloyd Alexander, hello. Yes. Well, if you've already paid for the rights, though, I think this is just, okay, we're going to get something out of mm-hmm. them. Uh, and just quick correction, it's PC and uh, console. Okay. So it is. It's um, so they're developing this with uh, 
Liu, it's L-E-Y-O-U, Technologies Holdings Limited, uh, and Middle Earth Enterprises to develop and publish a free-to-play massively multiplayer online game based on the milestone fantasy literary work The Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's going to take place in Middle Earth. It's completely unrelated to the prequel show that they currently have in production. So. They, they did this before, and it didn't work then so what that's right they did it with uh oh wow that that like um well, with Lotro, license lord of the rings online lord. like I, mm. I, i'm a little surprised yeah. that they're gonna i mean and that's when mmos were hot yeah there, there's there's a lotro and there yeah. was even another xbox game based on the lord of the rings books that didn't yes have the movie license published by vivendi games which i used to work for <laughs> uh, and that was before ea got the license and did the good lord of the rings games <laughs> Uh, but interesting enough, so the developer doing this, Amazon's already working with them on another MMO called New World. Uh, and oh. so this just seems yeah. like, yeah, their chance to kind of get more out of that relationship. Uh, and looks, looks like they're a Hong Kong-based studio. Okay. Uh, has three holdings, Digital Extremes, Splash Damage, and Athlon Games. Wow. Extremes? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so they are publishing. Amazon's going to publish it everywhere except China, and that's where the, the mm. holdings company will publish it directly. Yeah. But yeah, free to play Lord of the Rings game. Okay. Um, so that's it for our Hollywood segment. A uh, quick follow up to a story we discussed last week uh, G2A. Mm-hmm. So G2A, I think, um, heard some of the feedback on the internet, and uh, they came out with a proposal. So. Um, just as a quick refresher, G2A is, is basically a marketplace that lets people sell game keys to other digital game keys to people. Um, ha- recently, some indie developers were kind of saying, hey, there might be some shady practices going behind how they got those keys. It's sort of a pain I mean, in the I, ass. I don't think they've been saying might. I think uh, they've been saying yeah. very vehemently. Uh, and and <laughs> yeah. it's one of those things where if you can prove that it, you know the way they got the key might not be on the up and up that G2A will like and, and all of these resellers they'll they'll take down listings but it puts a lot of the burden on the developers or publishers to keep track of all that stuff um, and I don't think G2A's response and solution necessarily fixes that uh, so they proposed a tool that would let verified developers and they didn't give any insight into what qualifies as a verified developer uh, block certain game t- game keys from sale and so in other words what you would have to do as the developer of one of these games is you would have to like upload any code that you were giving out for like let's say review copies or promotional copies into this tool to say okay now no one can sell this thing which again it's placing the burden of work on the indie developer these are mm-hmm. people who they have to make a game usually with a very small studio they have to then kind of market the game themselves yeah. like they don't yeah. really have time it, to be doing also, all this it, giving a list of codes yeah. to the company that you already don't trust yeah, to handle true. your codes okay. it's like well look if you just give us all your codes ahead of time we'll make sure that none of them get resold on our service that is true that's that's a bit like yeah walking up to a bank robber and being like well look just give me all this money to hold on to, and I will make sure that no one gets into that vault for you, because I yeah. know how this works. That is a smooth robber. If I have all your money, I can't rob you. This is a good point. This is a good point. <laughs> so the, the company, um, they're not saying they're going to do this for, for sure. They just put it out there, and because they said it's going to be time-consuming and expensive to them, well, so sorry to... to put you out there but um they've asked developers to register whether or not they're interested in the tool by uh, mid-august and if they are then maybe they'll go ahead and, and make i think the they tool. said like a hundred people a hundred devs have to re- register yes. by the deadline devs, uh, to yeah. prove yeah uh, I, 
hundred devs. From from my perspective, it was just more of a, like a passive aggressive display on their part. Uh, whoever's handling doing the messaging, my recommendation is take a step back, yeah. calm down. You know, I get people are attacking your company on Twitter. Maybe try and rethink how you approach the way that you're communicating. It's, it's, so <laughs> the way I interpret it, it's a gesture of good faith, but the problem they've had with these whole things is they're a little bit tone deaf to what the problem people actually have with their services. And one of the problems indie devs had is you're expecting me, the small guy, to do my own customer service and like yeah. report things to you. And now with this tool, it's the same deal. It's like... This is time. It literally, it's just cycles they don't have as developers. And yeah, we, we talked about that a really long time ago with like um, the rise of Steam sales, like maybe like five, six years ago, where like smaller devs who like put their games on sale for like a dollar to five dollars, it would like if something broke in the game or someone wanted a Steam refund, it would still obligate them to like treat this like a customer who paid thirty dollars but only paid one to five. Mm. And it was just like this is a, a complete drain on resources, and, and just the idea that the, the numbers that were reported by that one developer blog that I'm sure you talked about last week that it, it was a, a, a kind of a micro developer sixty six hundred dollars in one month of refunds for a twenty dollar game mm-hmm. that's crazy like yeah. that that seems like something that should it should we shouldn't be talking about what G two A is going to do is like what are the authorities going to do <laughs> yeah. about this company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I'd say, like Mike said, keep working at it. Um, last bit of gaming adjacent news. Uh, so we are recording this a bit early this week because you know I'm, I have some travel coming up. But um, mm-hmm. so sorry if we miss any huge news stories. But okay, have I think, fun at the Neverland Ranch. Yeah, <laughs> I think we more than make up with it with this story. So uh, a chess grandmaster was busted for a shitter Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Latvian chess grandmaster Igor Rousis is under investigation after he was caught checking his phone while on the toilet in the middle of a tournament. What was the guy's name? Igor's Rousis. Yo, that's so Igor, man. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what he does. He pulled a Rousis. You keep it frosty while I go keep it shitty. So he, he had to sign a statement saying that a phone that investigators found in a toilet stall was in fact his. And so it looks like he was looking up hot strats while, while on the shitter. Big no-no in the chess community. But I just love that it's like Godfather, like, how did this happen? Like, some fucking dude went in there a few days before and planted the phone in the stall? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, uh... Isn't it bizarre to think about, though, when when you think about esports, like, like it's not like I could put down the controller in, like, Street Fighter 4, run in the bathroom, and, like, take a Prima guide out of the toilet tank <laughs> and all of a sudden get better. Like, you're there because you know what to do on the spot. Yeah. And, like, and, and how fast you can react to it. If you're in the bathroom reading on a hidden phone, you've already <laughs> lost. Well, you maybe know? chess just isn't that great of a game. Whoa. Boom! I'm glad somebody said it! The hottest of hot takes. That's why, That's you why the only on, people right? playing it are homeless people in your parks. This dude is Grandmaster status, so he's already, like, way better at chess than we can ever imagine yep. to be. When you said Grandmaster, I just thought you meant the arcade Tetris. <laughs> I thought you meant the chess master the the wizard with the terrible music absolutely yes. absolutely with the seinfeld score yeah. so yeah um don't tweet from the toilet if you're in a chess tournament is i think the lesson we've all learned from this am i right don't toilet tweet at the tourney uh chris i want to give you your, your opportunity to say your amazingly excellent pun like mwah what did, what did you call this an instance of oh, searching for bobby shitter <laughs> did I say that earlier? <laughs> well done sir well done. <laughs> 
And that is all the news that is fit to play. Well, let's move on in our community segment, which is always a segmenting our, our community. community. Uh, last week's question of the week was, tell us your favorite arcade memory, or best or worst or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, Micah, do you have a, a fond or loathed memory of being in an arcade? I, I mean, my memories of arcades weren't dedicated arcades. They were always arcades at That's movie acceptable. theaters, yeah. right? And it's like before the movie, you go and play arcade games as for a while. As long as it involves playing um, games in public. And so, like, that was... Uh, you brought up Dragon's Lair, and that was probably my favorite of all the arcade games in the 80s as mm, a kid. Like, mm-hmm. That was the one that would you'd want to line up to play until... Mortal Kombat came out. Mm. And then Mortal Kombat was just everything. Like, who even cared? We'd go to the movie theaters to go play Mortal Kombat. We'd bring our printouts of all the fatalities and everything and, you know, set them down on the arcade cabinet and try and pull that off. Like, that, as, as as a child, that, I, then... There, I had some bloodlust. As, as a kid, I could say that. Hmm. Um, and maybe if I was a kid when GTA 3 came out, I would have uh, been interested. I in was an adult. <laughs> <laughs> I was older than you. Yeah. Um, so, uh, first responder on VigigamPocalypse.com was Laser Time Rules, who says, Best arcade memory, beating the Simpsons arcade solo, but spending $5 worth of quarters. Worst arcade That's- memory was playing Street Fighter Alpha 3, and I was humiliated by Dan. I was Sagat and was doing pretty well. Run one round one, he won round two. In round three, I jumped into a roundhouse kick and lost. That's He beat Simpsons Solo on $5. Like, that uh-huh. game isn't meant for you to beat. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, like, like I, I remember the only way we beat that game was somebody's birthday at the Cyber Station where the guy flicked $40 worth of quarters into it, and he had to come back when we got to the last level and add more fake quarters. Oh, my God. Oddly enough, this is one, like, we got several comments of people humble bragging, basically, that they beat Simpsons Arcade. Like, there was probably, like, five or six different entries of people I saying mean, I that. feel like I beat Simpsons Arcade. And- yeah, I, I'm one of the few people who beat it, I know, that beat it in the arcade, and that was only because it was through a birthday party thing yeah everyone else played it all the time and like how far did you get how far did you get it's fucking impossible i know i love it <laughs> welcome to my world yeah <laughs> anamana gucci gang gucci gang gucci gang says i was at a dave and busters playing a pink panther cabinet when i slammed the joystick a little too hard the top knob a faux pink panther jewel broke into a thousand plastic pieces my cousin, not missing a beat, shouted at the top of his lungs, spoiler alert, by the way, in a Steven Universe impression, you shattered Pink Diamond! Mm. <laughs> I can only assume that's that a euphemism. Right. All of this is way too modern. It's all clashing in my head. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. arcades, that's 80s or early 90s yeah. at best. And yeah, then... what did Blake Edwards make an arcade game? <laughs> I, I never Peter heard this Pink Panther cab. I'm yeah. like, what the... What is this Pink Panther? Game? Uh-huh. I, I hope it's not one of these like fucking mobile games that they've made into an arcade game. Because that's sort I of what really Dave doubt that of. Pink Panther license was super hot and they made mobile. <laughs> games. But, I don't you know. know. I could be Someone's never heard that song. <laughs> Spoken like someone who's never been in a Vegas casino. Have you seen some of the shit they license for those? Like, that's pretty machines? weird. That's pretty weird. Check out our newest slot machine. It's singing in the rain. We know our audience. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's just good marketing, though. Yeah. Because that really is targeting That is their the, audience. The audience. Yeah. Yeah. Singing in the rain. Give me more of your retirement. <laughs> Patrick Smith says, question of the week. 
two top arcade-related memories. Growing up in rural West Virginia, we had a gold mine arcade Woo-hoo! in the Huntington Mall in like Barbersville, West Virginia. It was just like Maddie described in the episode. When it finally closed, the dungeon, an arcade full of early 90s PCs where you could play Doom, Rise of the Triad, and oh, Quake, wow. you paid by the hour. It was revolutionary for the time, but someone forgot to tell the owners that they needed to buy a game copy for each seat. Uh-oh. It got shut down within three months by the SPA. <laughs> oh, second memory. When I was in high school, circa 95, the school administration decided to put an arcade machine in the commons area. The game was Thrill Kill. What? It wasn't. I so loved cutting off kings with a chainsaw. Uh, I do not believe they even looked at it before allowing it. In an era of congressional hearings on Mortal Kombat, that arcade machine did not last long, but it sent me on an epic quest to find a pirated copy of Thrill Kill that I could play on a modded PlayStation 1. There was never a Thrill Kill arcade machine. Okay, look. Kills in the title. Yeah. Like, it's not what, like they what, have yeah. to look at the game. <laughs> Are they talking about time killers, maybe? That sounds more like time killers. Uh, he says they chop off the... I don't know. Patrick Smith, are you bullshitting us? Patrick? Uh, cutting off whatever is with a chainsaw. That's that's more a time killers thing. Mm-hmm. your mean? ass raw, man. Uh, anyway. Uh, Triskitable via Twitter says... At Tierney and at Travis L. Foster were staying with me for PAX. Two nights before the con, we went to a local game store that had recently purchased the neighboring two buildings to convert into a full arcade. T.L. Singh Karaoke. He's got pipes. Okay. First of all, two former VGA guests, so Dylan Tierney and T.L. Foster. Second of all, I had no idea my future cheap podcast revival host, T.L. Foster, had pipes. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. I feel like there might be a musical segment on that show. All I'm saying is we will have announcements soon about how we're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. Only on Patreon.com. Shawn, Ma- Shawn Michaels' theme is what he should sing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm cute. I know I'm no, sexy. I'm God, the, the worst fucking dad song. You know, a real do you know music. who wrote that thing? Uh, John, what's his name? Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart wrote <laughs> the Sexy Boy mm. theme song. Oh shit! Put all the creativity he did into his hair. He actually wrote a lot of songs. He's wrote he wrote one of the more famous '80s songs. I'm totally blanking on the name right now. Mm. Jimmy Hart had a weird music career before he became a wrestling manager. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about video games. Yes. Uh, J.D. Buffington, which is a great real name, I hope. <laughs> uh, on a boardwalk in Tampa, Florida. My stepbro and I entered an arcade with a few dollars where we were joined by two kids our age, like 12 or so, and the four of us beat the Simpsons arcade game. We cheered and whooped and shared a sense of accomplishment. It was in that same arcade I first played the old Tron game with a dial controller, and I played an antique baseball-themed pinball game. Mm. I did spend a ton of time uh, this weekend playing uh, the the Deadpool uh, pinball game. It's fucking awesome. Uh, at Cliff Racer 56K says, my favorite arcade was also Castle Park. The one I brought up that from, mm-hmm. and I, and I actually asked him, was it like my Castle Park? And yes, this person grew up near me and went to the same Castle Park, which is this amazing arcade. Anyway, I'll never forget playing Revolution X, Revolution X, and The Simpsons. I think we see a theme. I also loved all the old ones like Galaga and Centipede. I think that was the first place I ever played Mortal Kombat 2. That place was seriously awesome. So yeah, I replied. I was like, wait. Yeah, that mine? story deserves a cliff racer sound. <laughs> 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 but only over 56k. <laughs> so is that punishment? I can't tell. 
I, I, I'm, I'm the same way about the Simpsons arcade game. It's one of those arcade games I want to own in my home. Hmm. But just to take up space, because the art's so good, and it's mm. so fucking blue, yeah. because I'll never play it. But nope. so I was thinking, just maybe I'd get a box with like the, the with the cabinet art. Or something. I mean, it was available on 360 and PS3 for all of five I minutes. I still got it. Yeah. I'll never get rid of my 360 as long as it still has that. Nice. On the official Laser Time Facebook community, Mike Eaton says, "I was born in 1973, so I spent a huge chunk of my life in arcades. Probably my favorite memory, though, was beating Shinobi on one quarter. Whoa. I was 13 or 14 and felt like a god." <laughs> <laughs> Easy oh, there, God, Michael. Easy there, Rick. <laughs> uh, rightfully so, sir. Jesus, one quarter for Shinobi. Uh, that's that's insane. Holy shit! Like I only I only played to, that game to get to the bonus level in the arcades. That yeah. was that was that was the best that part was enough for me. <laughs> oh man, Chris Baker uh, is talking. Chris Baker was on a recent episode of uh, the Patreon show, patreoncom slash Laser Time. Uh, talking about Spider Man. Yes. Um, uh, Chris Baker says, I'm pretty sure the first gaming uh, centered establishment I frequented as an early 80s kid was somewhere on S- An- Anto- Anthony Drive in North Houston, the Shy Clown Arcade. <laughs> <laughs> Not creepy at all. You want to know what's in my pants? <laughs> uh, d- no, don't speak too loudly. You'll spook the Shy Clown. <laughs> Let him don't come out Google from his shadows. Absolutely slowly. nothing comes up. I think I was six when my dad took me there for an entire afternoon, educating me on how a quarter is really expensive for one game and introducing me to uh, my first experiences with Donkey Kong and Asteroids. Uh, entering my name uh, absolutely blew my mind. I also remember a game I'm not sure uh, I've seen since called Thief which uh, stole its gameplay from Pac-Man, something I remember recognizing even at that age as I also spent countless hours playing the attract mode uh, of Namco's classic as mom shopped for groceries at the local Safeway. If by any chance anyone else knows what ha- like out there happens to remember Houston's Shy Clown Arcade, <laughs> I'd love to know. Seabake76 uh, on Twitter. Uh, maybe we also got our haircuts at the kids, the cuts for kids uh, in the same shopping center. Five, four, seven, seven cuts for kids. <laughs> um, or we also cla- we were also classmates at Friends Daycare next door. Wow. I love that we're doing a misconnection segment for Seabake on the show. It's so great. Because that's one of the things in the 80s that doesn't exist anymore either. Local preschool chains. Mm. Like, no one wants to trust a company with children. Nope. Uh, Did y'all have a Kinder Care or Sylvan? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Sylvan Learning Centers? Yes. Those are still around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are around. Sylvan is still around. Yeah. It's different, but but like you learn shit and, and you were awarded in the same way of getting your hair cut at Fantastic Sam's. Mm. Chris, I may need some uh, audio backing for this next entry. I may need you to do some sound effects for me. Andrew mm-hmm. Joseph says, I have two memories. First, at an arcade with my friends playing WWF WrestleFest Brother against a Hulk Hogan fan. I was an opponent in the Royal Rumble mode as Earthquake. I performed the Earthquake Splash and screamed like a true heel. Hulkamania is dead. That, that was how he debuted, wasn't it? He was a sumo wrestler. Uh, earthquake? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's well, a he's just a, he's a huge guy. That does not mm-hmm. sound like a very culturally sensitive name for <laughs> earthquake. Yeah. But he's a white dude. Yeah, he's a beard. He, he, okay, he gave himself that name. Uh, his what second memory well, went with I'm friends. Just picturing something very different here for a sumo wrestler. <laughs> went with friends on a bachelor party, and one goal was to beat Smash TV with under ten dollars between five Fuck. people. Mission completed with fifty cents to spare. Wow. Well done. Nice. Nine fifty. <laughs> <laughs> nice. 
I need about nine fifty. You get out of here, Smash TV. <laughs> <laughs> you go on home. Uh, Jason Cromer says, "My father thought arcades were a waste of money and only would let me go if I used my allowances. I was a pretty practical kid, so I saved all my money to buy NES games." Fast forward 30 years and I am walking through the mall when we are out of town visiting my wife's family and there's an old school arcade with games from the 80s and 90s that are all a quarter. I spent an hour there and later went and got $20 in quarters and came back with our niece and nephew so I could give them the good time I never got as a kid. Every time I go back, I get a new high score on the Tetris machine. Oh, shit. Can I talk real quick about a pet I bet, peeve I have? I is, just want to say first, I, th- I bet that $20 is like a major payday for that arcade. It's like, we made $20 today. <laughs> uh, pet, huge pet peeve I have is when you find old games at arcades that are games from the 80s and 90s, and they charge more than a quarter because of inflation, where it's mm-hmm. like, this is bullshit. I should not be paying twice as much as I pay, originally paid to play this game anyway. It's pretty. I, I just want to bitch about. We have a local bar here called Fire Betty's. Uh, our buddy Adam, who's been on the show a bunch, helps fix some of their machines and find them uh, occasionally. But it is so popular, and every time I go in there, it's like a Friday night, and I am the oldest person there by like fifteen years. And I'm like, what are you fuckers doing here? And it's like just NBA Jam and the Battletoads arcade machine is just the soundtrack to these young kids getting fucked up, and it's just like. It's baffling that this bar is so popular, and I, I people play the games. I'm not saying they don't. It's just like you can't remember these. It's it, it just feels like this shouldn't be for you. But they, I like that they embrace it. But I hate that I feel alien when I go in a place made for me. It's but, the reason we I had the show last week. There's this weird '80s nostalgia by people who aren't old enough to remember the '80s. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. fucking weird. There's that, but then there's also like you mentioned NBA Jam. Like that's a '90s game, and it's a late '90s game. Yeah. I'm telling you, these, these people are recently 21. I went in there with a 28-year-old girl, and she's like, I feel too old to be Yeah, here. sure. I mean, barcades are, like, the new hotness these days. Yeah, and, yeah. like, and I mean, not even new anymore. But, like, 10 years ago, you barely could find one in any major city. And now, mm-hmm. like, SF has, like, five or six. Mm-hmm. LA has, like, at least that many. And... It's cool, you know. I don't like drinking, so I and I do like video games. So like, yeah. at least there's something for me to do in a barcade when as a, a regular bar, there's nothing. For I me took to that awesome it. picture at uh, it was Dave's birthday party of Michael. You were playing the X Men arcade cab with Brett. Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to say ice cold beer. Player, uh... Ice cold beer is great. Mm. Um, that's that mechanical one, Chris. Remember the, where the arms go up and you try to get the ball in the right hole? Oh, I, I scold beer. Yeah, I, ne- yeah. I never saw it. You guys were like raving about yeah. it, so right. I had to look yeah. it up. It's just, it's just cool. But but then but yeah, Michael and Brett were raving about the X Men uh, cab that they were playing. Yeah, I don't know if I'd say I was raving. Oh, about, but this is fun. Dude, a six-person awesome. X-Men cat yeah, is exactly. insane, dude. It's, it's, I was yeah. I was literally in an arcade that my friend curates, and he's like, "Holy shit! How do they, <laughs> they have a six-man X-Men arcade machine? It's insane." Yeah. With the mirrors that are like yeah. somehow much brighter yeah. than the original screen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it looks it looks awful. Yeah. It looks awful. It looks like it, it like it looks like your vision if you were poked in one eye. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but they they got that super wide screen. Mm-hmm. That's how they did that back then. Well, we have some video responses. First comes to us from Kelly Ryan. Hey VGA, it's Red Rock nine six three with my worst arcade story. Um, no critters because I need to get through the story. Mm. So it was about 2001, 
I want to say, and I was at a Burger King with my friends and my boyfriend, and we were getting ready to do a fundraiser car wash, and I happened to see a Sonic the Fighters machine in the oh. Play Place area. So, of course, I get all excited because I'm a huge Sonic fan, so I go and go to put, put a quarter in, and my boyfriend at the time just kind of shoves me aside and puts a quarter in. So it's like, okay, I'll be player two. Point the quarter into the player two side. It eats my quarter. So I had to go run up to the counter to get more quarters and then run back. And my boyfriend at the time was just sitting there playing. And I'm like, come on, man. I'm a huge Sonic fan. You got to let me play. And he just kind of shrugs and whatever. And finally his quarter gets done and he lets me play. And I get to play for about five minutes before we have to go do the car wash. And I'll never forget, I wanted to say that I wanted to go back to that Burger King to find the Sonic the Fighters machine again. <laughs> and about a month later, I go back and the Sonic the Fighters machine is gone. Aww. And bear in mind, this is 2001. Sonic the Fighters was not a very popular game. I, don't, I think it had a very limited run in the U.S. Mm. And I just remember being incredibly pissed that he kind of... I don't know, was selfish and kind of shoved me aside to Jesus. play this arcade game knowing what a huge Sonic fan I'm in. I mean, look at that crap. I love Sonic. It's a lot of Sonic. So, um, it's kind of wander under the bridge now because eventually that game did get released on PSN, but yeah, that's my worst arcade memory, and I did not stay with that guy. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was anyway, hoping that, uh, that have story a good ended one, guys, that and Take care. She's talking about how cool that fucking game is. Mm. What if he felt the same way? I I have seen that game in the wild once in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I I love that stupid game. I'm gonna go ahead and say, even if you felt the same way, if your girlfriend goes to put a quarter in, let your girlfriend play. And then if her quarter doesn't work, and she's like, "Oh crap, I gotta give her a quarter." To yeah. put in the yeah, damn yeah. game. Get down just, on one knee, <laughs> present the quarter with both hands. Like, what the heck is see, this? You guys are clearly not big Sonic fans because the whole reason I have a girlfriend is because I haven't found a Sonic Fighter. <laughs> or maybe, maybe he was trying to help her. He said, "No, I'm doing this for your own good. Don't play Sonic Fighters. What the hell?" <laughs> He's so good. Do you really want to play as Bean the Dynamite? I didn't think so. <laughs> so good. Uh, we also have one from Schnazzy One. Hey guys, it's me, Brandon. Uh, also known as Schnazzy One on the forums. Uh, I <laughs> out here in the beautiful area where there's, I'm sure there's wind noises. Uh, <laughs> I have to say, my memory is the phenomenon that was Mortal Kombat 2 in general. That mm-hmm. arcade machine Ooh. in our pizzeria. Like became the obsession for an entire town. All of us prepubescent boys fawning over these sexy ninjas and uh, basically buying anything that said Mortal Kombat magazine-wise. That was the biggest arcade phenomenon. I mean, like to the point that me and my me and uh, my family had a friend who owned a realty company, and we snuck into their office after hours because he had a key. to print off our own copies of the move list that we got off the internet. By the way, Mortal Kombat 2 also linked inherently to my first experiences with the internet, because one of the first things I ever downloaded was uh, the Mortal Kombat move list, and therefore... Ah, crap, I'm over a minute. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'll I'll wrap this up. Uh, Mortal Kombat 2, holy shit, that was my arcade memory. Uh, Have a good one. Peace out. Love you guys. Mm. 
Holy yeah, shit, yeah. Snazzy one. I don't think I, have we ever heard from him before. I don't think so. No, I, th- I thought he was going a little bit of a Rule Thirty Four yeah. direction uh, with I, sexy ninjas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My friends and I also spent a lot of time drooling over yeah. Scorpion and yeah, we've seen his skull. <laughs> what does the bone in his pants look like? I, I did want to add, like, is was Godfather's Pizza a national chain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember uh, Herman Cain? Uh, right. Yeah, but they had they had fucking good arcade. Uh, an arcade section in like every area I mean they don't exist anywhere I've seen I just looked them up they, apparently they do, they do still exist but they were like synonymous we're the pizza place that has more than the Pac-Man cocktail cabinet we have mm. re- you want to play Kid Nicky come over here motherfuckers yeah this is a yeah. place I played quartet with my sister and then I like bought the arcade marquee years later and I was like look at this look what I found and she's like what is that I don't remember this at all yeah <laughs> I don't hold on to everything I did as a child. I'm a woman. How dare you? <laughs> I feel like Round Table Pizza's always had pretty decent arcade selections. Going yeah. Mm. Yeah, they should still go to jail for having a ranch-based sauce. Yeah. <laughs> no argument there. That we- Alfredo pizza, actually, I like quite a bit. I'm, I'm also a fan. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that's going to make my uh, acid reflux go crazy is, yeah, is yeah. where I want to be. All right, we have one more from Mike Amari. Hey, VGA crew, Mike Amari here with the question of the week. Question of the week, of course, was, what's your favorite arcade memory? Now, while I have a lot from back then, Street Fighter 2 is almost definitely going to dominate the conversations for most people. Uh, I remember having fond memories, you know, in the Bowling Alley Arcade at Gil Hodgman Mom would Bowl, you know, during the summers on a Thursday morning league. Uh, for me, though, the game that kind of typifies and exemplifies what the arcade experience was for me was Double Dragon. I remember that being the first game that I fell in love with, and it was the game that you can only get the experience truly in the arcade. And I remember that being one of my first things as a kid. Like I would have a Commodore, and I would get the home port version of that because I loved it so much, oh, and it would never be even close. And then the NES version, which was great on its own right, but just wasn't the same. You know, the Second Master System was a close you know, version of it, but still not quite there. And for me, just the experience of walking up to that machine seeing the spike and hammer artwork on the side that oh, they would yeah. have instead of Billy and Jimmy, or I'm sorry, Bimmy and Jimmy, <laughs> uh, are some of the fondest and earliest memories I have of video games. I mean, Double Dragon, I think, is the game that made me fall in love with video games, something that would carry through for most of my life. And it was great because as a two-player game, it was something that when my dad would take me to an arcade, you know, it was something he would play along with me. He would play as the mm-hmm. second player. And, you know, that, bad dudes, it opened me up to all these other beat-em-ups. Final Fight eventually, X-Men, all the Konami stuff that they would do. But it all kind of traces back to Double Dragon, which is, I think it's a shame what's happened to that property over the past couple of years. Because it was just synonymous with arcades for me for so long. It's synonymous with video games for me for so long that it just has a special place in my heart. Uh, So for me, that's, you know, the thing I remember most about arcades is playing Double Dragon. Um, I want to thank you guys for being with me this week and uh, look forward to being with you again next week. All right. Thanks, Mike. You know I'm with you on that. I, I didn't just think uh, Double Dragon was synonymous with arcades. I thought they were. that was what video games were. They, I thought they represented video games as like one of the four ambassadors. Mm. And to see them have fallen off this, this far as a franchise, oh, it's a bummer. Love Double Dragon. Every game should start off with punching your girlfriend in the stomach. Yeah, someone else doing it, not you. I I was not being specific. (laughs) (laughs) So, new question of the week. Uh, What was the game you think uh, was where your favorite series hit its stride? Um, For me, I'm just going to 
this is this will be the part of the show where I say full disclosure. I work for Ubisoft, mm. but uh, Assassin's Creed Two and, where you and Brotherhood. Answer? Yeah, thank you. Ah, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Assass- like Assassin's Creed Two took so many of the ideas that were pioneered in the first game and infused them with this great personality uh, and and just charm and took this era that no game had ever explored, the Italian Renaissance, and made it seem. Uh, relatable and real and uh, like like a world you could live in rather than just something out of dry history books. And then Brotherhood kind of completed that equation by adding all these new gameplay innovations that would, a, a lot of which would stick with the series for some time to come. It added the Brotherhood, which remained essential for like a, a couple games there. You know, it, it added the multiplayer, which was really cool and, and just really expanded the whole idea of like you are not just an assassin but you are a a landlord you are uh revolting against this powerful family by buying up the city of rome out from under them and like this was the Ezio story arc was just super super cool and these two games represented like two halves of, of a great whole and i think this was where Assassin's Creed really found its footing as a series and and just it let its personality develop. Someone else. Well, I think we already talked about mine. I could have a couple couple of the things we we talked about on this list. So, uh definitely want to give props to Witcher 3, but mm-hmm. uh I will say Link to the Past. Um I love Zelda 1, don't get me wrong, and Zelda 2 is it almost they almost lost me with Zelda two. Like it, you know, I mm. played the hell out of it as a kid. But I, I I think had Link to the Past not come along and done what it did, um, I wouldn't. Every Zelda release is an event to me. It's mm. like I have to get that game. I have to play it. It's an event to most people. Yes, yes. And so I think Link to the Past is really what solidified that. Is oh, all of these will be good. You know, and 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 yeah. I know there are some games that people don't like, like uh, Spirit Tracks, fuck off. Um, but I love every That's Zelda right. game that has come out, and yeah. I think Link to the Past is definitely kind of cemented that for me as, oh, I have to pay attention. And I think it was my mom not buying that for me on SNES <laughs> is the reason I've had to get every Zelda game <laughs> since. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Link to the Past for sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to just repeat Link to the Past. Uh, We've talked about my my two favorite franchises, probably Zelda and Metroid. Mm-hmm. And so for both those games, like again, I love the NES versions, but the SNES ones like sort of carved the future path for the, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. franchises. And um, but uh, so just for the sake of talking about something different, I'm gonna say the Resident Evil remake. Ooh. Oh shit! Um, Ooh, and shit. For me, that's because I liked Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, Code Veronica, but I lo- I started looking at the franchise differently once Remake came out. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It actually was scaring me, which I didn't feel like the earlier games were doing for me exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, they were interesting, they were fun, uh, but they weren't like immersing yourself in a, a horror movie. No, it was all jump scares and waiting for a fucking cutscene to load. Like, oh, they're going to try and scare me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My disc goes ka-chunk, ka-chunk, ka-chunk. Um, the, the shark sequence in, uh, in Resident Evil Remake was yeah. just unbelievable. Like, edge of my seat moment with this shark slamming into the, this glass window mm-hmm. in front of me while mm-hmm. frantically trying to work the dials. Like, that game was amazing. Uh, it still holds up incredibly well to this day. And uh, I don't feel like 
led to Resident Evil falling off the rails, which I guess some people might say that it did for a while. But I don't know who would. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm a huge fan of the franchise even still, and uh, mm. um, yeah, that game was was a big one. Nice. I just I want to throw back to something Matt said that made me very happy, which was uh, Saints Saints Row hmm. Three. <laughs> mm-hmm. Saints Row 3, because that was a... The first two seemed like pretty mindless, yet, you you know, if you know how games are made, impressive knockoffs of GTA. And they somehow managed to figure out what they were and get me excited about this weird knockoff. They found out what they were until, like, I think if there's... They keep making new ones, which I'm not sure that they're going to. Mm. Is that something that's going to happen? Am I missing something? There was well, Saints Row on Switch, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, THQ there was owns Agents the rights of at this point, and now that, so THQ... They re-release it every, like, three weeks, and mm, but, yeah. like, so I have to imagine there's interest in making another, but it's not the frequency it was. Once they find out what the, the, the three could work, because, like, one and two were, like, these weird buggy messes for people who wanted to play GTA on an Xbox, mm-hmm. and that wasn't possible back then. And now it, it's, it's so much... It, it like you won't like I think in ten years if that franchise is still going you won't ever remember they were a GTA clone. Mm-hmm. It'll be something completely mm-hmm. different because it has this dumb ass story arc that it it revels in continuing. I, I just think it's it's this it's this unbelievable little underdog story of Saints Row. I, I it it's so it's such a fun game. I reload that game up like almost every six months and play like the first like four hours of it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to play it all the way through, but I, I don't do that with GTA. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. is it weird that they almost feel more like a Crackdown clone at this point because of the whole? Yeah, super I mean, how, especially Four Saints Row yeah. Four is basically Crackdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A better, maybe a better Crackdown than Three. Yeah, I think. Oh, I think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I love Three. Crackdown. Yeah, 3? I still, yes. I, I do love Three. Really, mm-hmm. uh, but. But it just it's just awesome that like this 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 one thing they did to distinguish themselves from um, their competitor like now just defines them and, and, and like and I think you know, it would it, I, I love the idea of explaining this to a kid oh ho, ho, let me tell you the story of Saints Row one. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy and here look at this YouTube commercial for Saints Row two good lord it's embarrassing <laughs> oh, it's so cringeworthy yeah it was but I also loved Saints Row two because it let you do things like uh, rip mailboxes off the streets and hit people with them. Like that I know, but cool. at the time, at the time, like when Saints Row Two came out, GTA was still doing silly shit like that mm. too, and GTA dropped the silly shit so hard with Four, yeah, uh, and never, never went back to it really, and 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 and, and just Saints Row decided to live in the silly shit, yeah. to to like own a home in the silly shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, D- GTA you merely was- adopted the silly shit. <laughs> GTA took the silly shit and just gave it all to Trevor in five. It's like here, yeah, here's yeah, the crazy yeah. guy that's yeah. going to do all the yeah, weird. This shit. is this is Claude aged up about twenty years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and even then it was all it was all murderous and like. Yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. Saints Row was like funny and like silly, mm-hmm. and stars motherfucking Keith David. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Motherfucking Keith, who does not want it to does. fuck you. So that's why I always think of They Live when I'm thinking about Saints Row because I've never Damn played. Right. Saints well, we've Row. talked about on the show. They yeah. straight up had a They Live tribute with Rowdy Roddy Piper and yep, Keith that's David. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, what is the game 
where your favorite series hit its stride, let us know. Go to VidgeGameApocalypse.com, answer under the comments for episode 325, or you can hit us up at the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread you can answer there, or just ping us on Twitter at VGApocalypse with your answer, and we'll pick a few of them to read on next week's show. So anyway, that's been our show. Let's go out with some plugs. Micah, as the guest, uh, do you have anything you would like to plug? Can I plug a game that I work on? Sure. Please. Sweet. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm doing this because we, Matt and I have both been working pretty hard on a game, and uh, I'm pretty happy with yeah. with it right now and, and proud to be working on such a cool project with such a cool team. Uh, the game is Remnant from the Ashes, and uh, even though I may sound like an advertisement now, it's coming out August 20th Ooh, for right Xbox One. Uh, PS4 and PC. Uh, mm-hmm. Check it out. It's a super cool game from Gunfire Games, and uh, I've been working really hard on on getting the word out about this game. So yeah, uh, I'm I'm stoked to to see it finally coming Micah out. Micah just soon. led. We just did like a big event in the city where we had a bunch of streamers come out and play the game, and it's uh it's it's very good if you like kind of the difficulty of like the Dark Souls like games, but you like shooting guns. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's and it's made by Gunfire Games, the guys who do Dark Siders. So uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, I'll plug that too. I work on that game there as we well, go. and it's yeah. a fun game. No, I, and, and I, like, I like the Monster Hunter approach, but with giant guns. Yeah, <laughs> and 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 if you pre-order, you get to play early. Uh, you get to play starting the sixteenth of August. So uh, yeah, check that out. Um, I was recently on an episode of Bonus Time with all the Chris's. It was Chris's uh, from Infinite Earths as we. Do the spoiler cast for Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, which you can only... I, I meant to tell Chris Baker, but if I forget, mm-hmm. he mentioned, like, uh, we, we called it, it Crisis, uh, Chris's on Infinite Earth. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and that, that there, he's like, are you a member of the, the Chris Army? I'm like, what the fuck are you talking <laughs> yeah. about? I got that. Yeah. Is it, it Star Wars? No, no, it's a, it's a real thing. Yeah. And I, I watched a documentary on Amazon about uh, Sam Jones, the guy who played Flash Gordon. <laughs> In uh, what's the word? Flash Gordon, <laughs> and one of the guys talking like the whole time is has a patch. He's like the founder of a, oh I forget one of the movie websites, and it, it's yeah he's wearing a patch of, of the Chris, Chris Army. Army. It's a real I Facebook thing. That was thing just a pun on the Kiss Army. No, it's a real thing. It's a real Facebook group with hundreds of members, and ha- they have their own merchandise. Wow, okay, <laughs> weird. Yeah. So yeah, uh, you can only get access to that though if you subscribe on patreon.com slash laser time at the five dollar or more level. It's true. And we we've been we had a debacle where we had to hold back a couple of episodes and uh one is now gone. So sometimes we say certain things in there that may be legally actionable uh, <laughs> and that have to be taken down. So you have to be listening uh, in order to hear them. Cause uh, I, it's the first in laser time history in almost 10 years. Like a podcast is just done. All it's the more over. incentive to become a Patreon subscriber and download as many episodes as you can. Yes, absolutely. It, Get them while they're hot. <laughs> and it, it also canceled another one in its wake, so I don't know what I have going up this week. But it'll be something fun. I can't believe we Scott Pilgrim the Patreon. It's no yes, longer available for download. <laughs> Only one episode. Only one episode. <laughs> but what else is there that is available is hundreds of movie Over commentaries. Over movie commentaries. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Mm. Wow. What a value. Um, they realized that sounded sarcastic it wasn't it did (laughs) I apologize Uh, 
and uh, but and and yeah, it, and it's it helps supports all the the shows such as Laser Time. We did a great episode about Mad Magazine last week that I won. Everyone yeah, that was a lot to of that. Fun. Thank you, Michael, for being on that. Of course. Well, anyway, that's been our show. As always, uh, you can follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse or me personally at Wikipares. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. A very small part of Morrowind, which is a much larger province, but Vardenfell is still really, really big and will take you forever to explore. Um, and someone, someone in California knock his book out of his hands or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to spout trivia, man. <laughs>